Welcome to the Beretta Brothers. We're a podcast and a vodcast. You can listen or watch the episode. Just go to theberettabrothers.com. That's B-A-R-R-E-T-T-A brothers.com. Please subscribe, rate us. And we'd love to hear your comments. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Uh, here we are. Yeah. What's the date today? Is it the 4th? No. Oh, seven. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> right. What? Welcome, everybody. Thank you for being so patient. Hey. We're here. We're live. We've got a reunion for you. Very well, a couple things first. <laughs> yeah. So a couple things we want to just mention at the start of the show, um, because okay. we want to connect okay. with you. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Jay. You, did you yeah. say oh, a couple? A couple things we want to go through in the show. <laughs> Good. Got it? Okay. A couple things we want to go through on the show. Because we want to connect with you, we're going to come in um, at different points in the show, and we're going to go to the chat, answer a few Q&As, show a couple extra photos, maybe a few items from the show. And after the show Mm -hmm. ends, we're even going to stick around a little bit longer live on the stream to answer even more of your questions. So we've got an action-packed evening Go ahead. Yeah, well, we, we certainly have a, you know, a couple hours of uh, fun coming to you. So hope you'll stay in there, uh, hang in with us, because there's a lot of things that um, are in this show that are really fun, things that people have never heard before, things that I didn't know, even though I was there every day, just like so many of us were on the show. But a lot of things that were going on. Um, so it's really, uh, it's really great. I loved it. I loved doing it, Gene. Didn't you love doing it? It was. It was really fun. I, like you said, I, I heard stories I'd never heard before, and people were showing some things along the way, too, that I haven't seen. Um, right. But a couple other things before we get to all this. Uh, we want to mention next week we have a really great show. We just uh, we pre-recorded the show. Sometimes we're going to have to do some pre-records because to get the people we want to get, we can't always schedule it on the live, uh, the air date when we're going live. We had a an incredible show with Frank Oz and Dave Goals, and we you're going to hear and see stories uh, you've never seen or heard before, uh, and we hadn't either. So please watch for that, and we're going to go back to our Saturday showtime at 6 p.m. Eastern, um, 3 p.m. Pacific. Yes, a couple of uh, two very demented men. Um, you really get a sense. <laughs> and hosts. <laughs> you really get a sense of uh, Frank and Dave's relationship, and then the four of us together is even more insane. So uh, it was great. Um, finally, we do a couple little shameless plugs. Uh, if you get a moment, please go to uh, that guy. I don't know which side. You're on my that way. No, you're that way. You're that, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, www.jeanberetta.com for some amazing books, children's books and artwork. Uh, you can go there and check out that stuff. I don't really like his stuff that much. You might, uh, but I would go there definitely for your kids. It's awesome for the books are amazing. Books are amazing. Second shameless plug is please visit our website, theberettabrothers.com where you can learn more about the show yes. and please take a yeah. moment to hit the subscribe button because that's going to help us keep the show going and uh, doing more of yeah, what we're doing we, now. We'd like to, you know, we've been talking about um, maybe extending this kind of 30th anniversary idea 
uh, maybe throughout the year and having some smaller, more intimate groups, even though this is an amazing show that's coming and we should get to it probably really quick now, but there's so many people, it was hard to get everybody's uh, uh, thoughts and ideas and, and, and memories in, but we're thinking about doing some smaller shows down the line where we can get smaller groups of these amazing people that worked on the show to come and talk with us. So please subscribe. Are you ready? I am. I think we should hand it over to our pre-recorded hosts, Gene and Bill. Oh, to us. Send it to us. Yeah. Jason, I can you send it to really us? Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. Hey, Gene. We've been waiting for. Hey, Bill. It's a big up? one. It's a big one, man. So cool. Look at you. You're all dinosaured up. Bill. I'm, I'm wearing your. I'm wearing your dinosaurs uh, baseball uniform. Ah. There was an actual base dinosaurs baseball team that played other TV shows, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. Uh, but um, hey, Gene. Yeah. I just want you to know. Go ahead. That every time I see you, when we get together to do this. Bill. It's like, yes, Tom. <laughs> what? Did you want to have a, did you want to talk? <laughs> Tom, you have to wait your turn. The voice of God. You can't talk to us while we're doing other stuff. You have to wait. All right. <laughs> I love him. Uh, okay. Okay. So he's directing I, you. What I was going to say, I, see, he's always directing, right? Uh, what I was going to say was that, you know, yeah. The moment I see you when we, we do these is like, it's like a Tyrannosaurus's mother milk, you know, oh. like, like the mother's milk feeding the little baby, the baby dinosaur. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Don't get me going. Well, I mean it. I mean it. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that. So I said it and it's out there well, and I just want people to know. You know, Bill, spending these moments with you is... Mm. It's always a revelation, a discovery, stimulating, just short of erotic. And I'm guessing it's the same feeling Oxford professor, Dr. William Buckland felt back in the 1820s when he was the first man to examine a tray of mysterious prehistoric fossils and declare them to be a mighty Megalosaurus. I'm sorry, what was the exotic, uh, the erotic part? What was it? I'm just very moved at the moment. Can we move forward? Yes, yes, absolutely. Let's move forward. Okay. Well, folks, we have an amazing show. 30th anniversary reunion of dinosaurs. Uh, obviously, there are so many people that were involved with this show and the creation of it. Uh, we couldn't have everybody on. <laughs> uh, but fortunately, we were able to track some people down over the last, since the last 30 years. Lots and, of people. Uh, yeah, quite a lot of people. And they're really excited to come and do this. We so appreciate them coming to do this. And spending the time with us. And I think you're going to appreciate it too. Um, so hang in there, bear with us. We're going to have a lot of fun and you're going to meet a lot of interesting, cool people. Should we also mention that we're going to approach this telling the story of dinosaurs from the start, the inception, take it all the way to the premiere, which happened in April, 1991. Yes. And uh, so you're going to hear all about it in chronological order. So who do you we should start with Bill. Hmm. Well, let's see. The journey may have begun somewhere, maybe back in the Henson 
bloodline, perhaps. Someone, someone mm. maybe that's part of the Henson family that might be able to shed some light on it. Mm. Maybe Brian Henson? If we could only get someone like Brian Henson. Hmm, I wonder. All right, is that where you want me to come in? Oh, <laughs> wait, that's Hi. not Brian Henson. Is that where you want me to come in? Wait, who, I'm sorry, sir, you're on the wrong show. I'm, really? Who are you? I am Brian Henson. Oh, good. Oh, good. Good. Okay. Good. Great. Is Hello. So is that when you wanted me to come in? Yeah, that was perfect timing. Thanks. <laughs> this is the Torical Sins. This is the Torical Sins reunion. <laughs> Hi, Brian. Torical Sins was right next door. Yeah. Hey, you guys. How are hey, you? Brian. Okay, this is crazy what you're trying to pull off. We know, but it's worth it. I can't Go wait. I can't wait for the chaos. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, so we're just going to kind of move because, you know, there's a lot to do and it's going to take some time. So forgive us if we're going to keep pushing through here. Um, or Jean, actually, did you want to? I did have a question. I think it's a good place to start. What was okay. the earliest, uh, you know, your earliest recall of dinosaurs being discussed? What was the germ of it? Oh, you know, I was... Um... I was working in the London company almost exclusively, really, when my dad passed away. And um, I do remember, I think it was when we were shooting Storyteller, he and uh, Alex Rockwell, I remember having lunch with them. And uh, he was, there was two comedy ideas that he liked. One was a ventriloquist, a, a puppeteer who lives, who has a ventriloquist dummy, yeah. but it's actually really alive and they really don't like each other, but they have a fake act and it's really successful. So they have to live together. And it was sort of like odd couple. And then he liked the idea of doing this family sitcom about dinosaurs. And again, it's so long ago, somebody else is gonna tell you what really happened. And I'm gonna just tell you what I remember, which is like, <laughs> but from what I remember, he was liking the idea of a family of dinosaurs and they live so irresponsibly that it's inevitable that they're going to go extinct. Right. And that that was sort of thematically what he was trying to do. And I, at the time I was like, well, what do these dinosaurs look like? And he was like, I think they're just like suits. And I, I, like, they're just, if way back in the day, my dad did Lechoy Dragon right. Chinese noodle commercials, Chinese yeah. cup of noodles type thing. Yeah, right. yeah. And he got in, inside this, dragon costume that was ridiculous. And he used to just sort of like rush into grocery stores and knock over <laughs> all the groceries and the tent would hit women in the face. I and I, honestly, I think that he sort of thought maybe it would be a, a relative to that. Cause that was sort of like a not a very good puppet. It was just sort of a reckless thing. And I think that's <laughs> kind of, anyway, I think that's my oldest memory. I'm shocked right. that we were on air in April of 91. 91. Were we on air in April of 91? The premiere 91. was 26th or 29th, something like that. Wow. The 26th. Then worked, 26th. Yeah, then we worked really fast because 30 years ago, right now, we were not in pre-production. We were not making the show yet. That's, That's sure. right. I remember doing, uh, I think my fitting for my suit was in November of 90 or something like that. Yeah. So it was fast. I mean, you guys were moving. It all yeah, it all happened really fast. When my father died, um, going all the way back, the Walt Disney Company was buying the Jim Henson Company. 
And um, my dad had gotten sort of halfway through the deal. It was very complex. Michael was very, Eisner, was very excited to complete the deal. And he, he said, you know what, it's really awful that Jim died, but I believe that you guys can still be a great company. And, and he wanted to um, finish the, the acquisition of the Jim Henson company and, and wanted me running it. And, um, and he had known about dinosaurs somewhat from my dad, even mm -hmm. though it was early days. And, and you're going to have Alex Rockwell on and Kirk Thatcher. Yeah. Those guys were working with my dad before he died. So they'll know more than I do, actually, because yeah. I was in London. So I kind of just remember I came over, obviously, when my dad died, I came over and I had to take over the company. And, and Michael really liked Eisner, really liked dinosaurs and said, come on, let's, we got to prove that we can do so. Oh, well, we also did a, a special that was remembering Jim Henson, the Muppets remembering Jim Henson. But, um, but uh, you know, I think, you know, Eisner was a, was a big push. He really wanted us to make it. And, um, and so it, it went real quick. It, it was a big hmm. show, super expensive, yeah. the way I made it. I don't know if my dad, my dad might not have made it that way. If that's <laughs> Thing. Like I was well, coming we, off, I was coming off of Ninja Turtles, where we were doing these crazy things with motors and animatronics, and they were breaking down, and it was hell, yeah. but it was fun, and it was weird, and it was new, and so I sort of brought that kind of Ninja Turtle sensibility to the show that I'm not actually sure my dad would have done. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's. I want to get to that. Because we're going to, as we come to the, the Creature Shop, we're going to start talking about that too. But why don't we bring Alex and Kirk on? Because I'd love to get, If only we you know, could get them. If only we could get yeah, Alex if they were Rockwell here. and Kirk Thatcher. Boy, mm. Wouldn't that be nice? Do, do, do. What? Oh, there's Kirk. <laughs> what are you guys? Little... I was just sitting here dreaming up ideas and suddenly this, my computer <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Hi guys, Hi. welcome. Can you guys hear so, me? Yeah, yes, we you hear go. you now. Yes, there Alex, thank you. So I'm, I'm curious, I'm just gonna jump right in guys because we're moving through this a little yeah. bit, right? So excuse yeah. me. Can you I'm ask them to fix my, fix my chronological order? Yeah. Because yeah. I don't remember how, how my, I mean, at a certain point, dinosaurs became like honeymooners and it started having a whole, I mean, it got more and more defined and I don't remember where it was at when my father died. Right. Well, I I can. Should can we I back up a little? Yeah, yeah, start out, Alex, because you were Alex, you were here. Your... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's so great to see everybody. By the way, um, yes, every show has like an origin story, and I and this one's near and dear to my heart because it involved Jim, as Brian said. And Brian, what it was was, uh, at the time I was Jim's um, creative assistant, and lucky enough to shadow him all over the place, and uh, we went down and visited the set of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And uh, on the airplane ride back from that visit, Jim, as he often did, would sort of throw down a challenge like, okay, that technology is really interesting. How do we use it like in another new way for television? And that's where we started with. So on this airplane ride, I remember it because it was, we just started laughing. Uh, we were kicking around this idea. And uh, the, the, I remember we said, well, the only thing anybody, everybody knows about dinosaurs is that they went extinct. And so it suddenly occurred to us that it was a great 
creature to do satire, to satirize the human experience. And I remember we were laughing because it was like, yes, the dad would be like, oh, we have this great building material, asbestos, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and once we started to do that, we, we collected a whole bunch of ideas. And the funny little uh, tag to that is we, uh, Jim had me write up a treatment and send it to the um, heads of department at Henson. And we got a resounding thud. It was like, <laughs> everything was like, Nothing. no. <laughs> because right. licensing and publishing and they couldn't figure out how this could be an adult family sitcom. It sounded like a kid show. And it right. was radical. You know, that was the time of like home improvement. It was sort of a radical <clears throat> idea in that context. But we loved uh -huh. it, we put it aside uh, because, uh, you know, Jim got busy with a lot of other stuff. And then of course he passed and then, Brian, you and I talked about it after um, after Jim passed, and you were really into it, so that made me think maybe it's not totally insane. So we, uh, there was a meeting with Dean Valentine because, as you say, Henson and Disney and Henson were still trying to find things to do. Who, sorry, who who was at the time? Dean was the what? What was he Dean? Was the head of uh, Walt Disney Television, and you know had just done Home Improvement, so he was. And so he was inviting us to come up with ideas that we could do with Disney for primetime. So I went over there and I pitched him dinosaurs. And I remember as I was pitching it, I was thinking, he is going to think I'm crazy. This is going to be the end of the meeting. And it was like, uh, I sort of started panicking. Um, and I remember throwing honeymooners out there because Jim did reference honeymooners. And it was like, that oh, totally, wow. that totally oh, wow. how, uh, part of the mix. I can't remember why we we thought that was part of it, but yes. So I'm pitching away, and at the end, uh, I thought Dean was going to kick me out, and he turns to me and says, "I love this idea, and I have the perfect writer, Michael Jacobs." And of course, wow. that is when you know it really became real because I couldn't believe we could get someone like Michael to come in and write this, and it was all about the writing because like I kept saying at the time, it's a satire; it has to be really smart. Wow. Um, and then Disney really got behind it, and then of course we had that crazy pitch with um, Bob Iger, who was running Apple, which was uh, one of the best, Michael Jacobs gave one of the best pitches I've ever seen. I still think about it. No, running ABC, not Apple. Running ABC, sorry. And yes, and, and we have that giant crazy pitch where Brian, you dropped the bomb that like, oh, by the way, you have to buy the whole series because like, you can't do it. Kirk, just gonna ask Kirk, you, you were there right at the start and I've always yeah. been curious. How much did you have to lie on your resume to get your first meeting there to get started? <laughs> I've been working with Jim for five years, so I'd lied six years earlier. I oh, wow. Was, so that's good. Well, Jim, Jim, the great thing about Jim was uh, he would bring you in as an idea guy if you're an artist. And that's what I'd done up to that point. I'd been sort of an idea gag guy. And, and Jim would just said, I have this idea for this show and this uh, Ninja Turtle technology is amazing, and I'd seen that. He said, I want to do this show that kind of highlights dinosaur thinking, if you will. Like you said, they're, they're going to go extinct. Wow. And uh, yeah, he, he uh, like Alex said, he definitely referenced the Honeymooners and even like All in the Family in the way with the, the older dinosaurs were kind of dinosaur thinking. And so what's great about Jim, if you were an artist, is he would just start talking to you and you'd brainstorm much like you would with a writer, and I just started sketching. So I did a first set of sketches. I was living back in LA. I, I, I lived in New York for the Jim Henson hour. I moved back to LA. So he'd flown me out for just general creative meetings. I was also consulting on the Disney Imagineering stuff because I was working at Imagineering. So I was kind of doing the dinosaur designs on the side. Um, 
And then he flew me out again for another meeting. And we, I remember it was a lunch on a Friday. We had lunch and I sat in his office and showed him some more sketches. And we laughed about these characters. And we started playing with, they're not all, <clears throat> I remember one of the first things was they're not all gonna be the same species because we thought that would be boring. And he even said uh, Fraggle Rock, one of the biggest problems with Fraggle Rock was they all look too similar. So uh, I said, well, that's great. Cause as a designer, you're like, okay, you can have a T-Rex and a, you know, a Triceratops. Do you remember? Do you remember which character kind of took shape first in a way? Like was well, it, it for well, me? Actually, but, I wanted to ask you because I, I I selfishly know the story, but who was Earl's based on? Yeah, it was my brother. <laughs> well, because the idea was he was kind of a construction worker guy and sort of uh, you know he knew what's what and he, he was a know-it-all, not necessarily uh, you know the smartest guy. And I don't I'm not casting aspersions on my brother, but more that personality. I remember my sketch that we sold. The pitch with was him with a beer in his hand and a, I think a Hawaiian shirt. Um, <laughs> but the jawline, you used to talk about the jawline too or something. Yeah, well, that's a whole nother, the jawline. Yeah, he was a little more pugnacious than he ended up. He had kind of a, a more, his jaw was like that. And he was kind of sitting there, I think he had a cigar and he was like, eh, like very Jackie Gleason. And um, so we did that second go. round and I start, yeah, exactly. That's your um, original, right? That's your original, original maquette design. from the London shop that did that. Well, yeah, that's a maquette. That's off my sketch yeah. at that point. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we had that second round, and that was a Friday, and I think he passed that Tuesday, which was crazy. I was in New York. I spent the weekend there. I flew home, and I think the next morning, I got a call saying Jim just passed away, and wow. so there was all the chaos and obvious sadness about that, and then. Um, Alex, I guess, and Brian said, yeah, we're, you know, we, we're meeting with Michael Jacobs and Bob Young to take these ideas, this group, the document Alex had, the sketches that I had, and had a big meeting with them. And that's kind of, for me, what I had done at that point. And then we met with uh, Bob and Michael. Enough. So Very would it nice. be nice oh. if they were here? Well, you're not going to pay big Hollywood tax. I know. I doubt they'd ever show up if with something like this, but wouldn't it be great if... Hard. Yeah, Michael. Oh. Say, tell him it's WGA. Keeping us. Hey. Yeah. Oh, Michael. I can't believe it. Where's Bobby? He's right there. here. You see him up above. I got a better position than you do. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be the first time, Bob. I gave oh. I, I gave Bill a little I, cash, little cash up front. A little bit something. Little something. Little something. How are you, fellas? Very good, thank How you. Are you Very good. We're great. I'm so nice happy step. you're here. I, you know, we're I, we're just kind of moving along here. So I just want to kind of jump in if it's okay with some questions. Um, I I'm wondering, uh, did you got were you guys develop? So there was the mention of the honeymooners thing, but what what was it that made you guys as you started to write this to develop the family? What were the how did you come up with the characters in those relationships of of that family unit that worked so well, where did that come from? I think uh, I have to go back, go back like one step. It's it's funny, just what Kirk was saying before about when 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 Jim Henson died. I think the whole project stalled for a little while. At least that's what we heard because I think they thought, oh, what do we have? We don't know. We don't know what the relationship is with the company. And I think it was kind of Dean Valentine who said, as he had said to Alex before, no, no, this is a good idea. Because I get the feeling that the people above him thought, oh, well, maybe we should maybe we should drop the idea. But Dean said, I, no, no, really let's did. go. 
No, Bob, I don't think it had that kind of momentum. It's not like it was yeah. heading towards production yeah. when my dad died. It, it was not, it was, it was um, much earlier. Literally, we were just batting around ideas for characters. Yeah. No, but I mean, the, what I'm saying is that Dean really loved the idea. He did. And he yeah. really kept pushing it. And I think he, had, he kept pushing it. And so he came to uh, Michael and me and said, no, this is, this is still a really good idea. Let's, let's do this. Uh, I, did you so, did you guys um, did you think it was just kind of crazy? Like how how do you take you know these big animatronic characters and create a sitcom? Was it just insane kind of, or did you just think along the lines, Michael? Were you just thinking about character and story? Yeah, I ne I, I never think we uh, thought when Bob and I uh, started uh, outlining what the series would be. I, I don't think we uh, uh, did anything but start with the core characters, what motivated them. Um, we came up with, with mom and dad and sister and brother uh, mm. uh, fairly quickly as to what they would be. It's funny, Kirk was talking about the jawline. I remember that vividly. <laughs> they, 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 hey, Kirk. They um, hey, Bob. flew Bob and I out to the creature shop uh, uh, in, in Britain and, and uh, we walked in and all I had seen was this maquette, which I still have, that Brian was, and, and I thought he looked like a barroom bully. I, I felt that Earl was slightly off-putting because his chin was so jutting out and he was angry and spoiling for a fight. And I thought, I said to Bob, isn't dumber better and 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 so let's let's get rid of the chin entirely so i went to the creature shop and i said to one of the guys brian will love this i said listen can we reduce the size of his chin is that allowed because i think it'll help the character that we want to write bob and i and he took out an implement because it was still raw clay that looked like a toothpick and i said no no i'm talking about here, let me help you. And I took a shovel that was <laughs> against the wall and I started approaching the clay. We <laughs> guys came and held me back and said, okay, okay, we'll do it. And so we established his drawline. Oh, yeah, the that idea- was Jamie Cordier, by the way, who yeah. sculpted oh, oh, They were wow. beautiful. And what Michael was trying to get at is, could this guy be more vulnerable? Yeah. Could he be sort of, more identifiable because hmm. life had set him back right. and he was still struggling to try to find his place again. So let's make him, he's not, as he said, he's not a bully. Right. He's a little hapless. He's a little beaten down. Hmm. Life has come at him from every direction. So yeah, which I, a thicker neck. Yeah. I think it was a really good adjustment because I think we were all a little too much on Archie Bunker. I think right. we were, we were and, making a tough, kind of mean guy. And I, I think it was a really good adjustment. And I always, what I always loved about him, I always thought to me immediately, he was Jackie Gleason. That's what I always imagined. You know, that's, that's what I kind of started to get As, that it was the yeah. Art Carney and Jackie Gleason relationship going on. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, Jackie Gleason would scream and yell, but nobody took him seriously. And that was right. just such a great, I think, way to go. But I mean, Michael and, and I started, we, we started with those, those drawings that Kirk had did of the family. And then we just said, okay, this is the family unit. And then we just wrote it as if it were a situation comedy. Right. We didn't- And how did you start putting the, the writing team together? 
Was that at that soon after no, that? We had no. to sell it first. <laughs> yeah, we, had, yeah. we had to write the pilot script first and sell it, right. and then right. assemble the, the the team. But it was fast. I remember, like, I made it once we sold it with the the drawings and the pitch. I remember we walked out with Martin Baker, who's one of the producers with Henson, and and I bet didn't they buy it in the room essentially? They bought yeah. it. Yeah, and I remember walking out, going, "Holy crap! We have to make <laughs> we have to make like nine dinosaurs in you know four months." Oh my god! Yeah, but there, um, you know what, guys? There's a step that you're missing. Uh, Bob and I were on the plane, and Bob and I had written the script, and we were happy with it. We we felt that all of the characters had showcased; they were all easily understood. And as I would do, I turned to Bob just before we landed, and I said, "Something's wrong." And Bob said, no, no, nothing's wrong. <laughs> Everything is perfect. Let's make the show. And I said, no, something's really wrong. And he said, what? And I said, I don't think we have an audience surrogate. I said, I, I, I think we need a representative in the cast who the audience, who can be almost the Greek chorus, the narrative. And he said, no. And I said, yeah, I, I, I think we need a baby dinosaur who is talking right out of the shell. Mm. And Bob immediately said, not the mama. And I'll never forget this because wow. Bob was lightning like this. And it was one of the best things that I loved about our relationship is that if you fed him an idea, he would come up with the comedy, I don't wanna say comedy gold, cause that's terrible, but he would come up with what was usable and iconic immediately. And it wasn't two seconds after the birth of the baby in my head that Bob said, not the mama. And then, wow. and, then and, and, and so the baby was born with that cause I understood him upon Bob saying that. And then I said, you know, we should be able to throw him against the wall and he, he <laughs> right. a smaller puppet and he would say again. And I, I, I wasn't espousing <laughs> use exactly. <laughs> But but really not. yeah, within the, within the window yeah. of what we did, Bob and I went wow. back and forth, and we had that character, and we were so excited about that character that I think that's why he broke out. He had a lot of the great quotable lines, like uh, you know, "I'm the baby, gotta love me," things that you still hear people repeating. It was that was Bob. It, it was, a was challenging. It was a challenging yeah. design too. Uh, uh -huh. A because he was a full-on puppet, where the rest were were creature suits. But also right. getting that, getting him to look like a baby dinosaur, but also to be charming because you didn't want to be scary or look, you know, like right. a freak. And because he was so human and actually pink, I remember yeah. the, the sculpting, I think we went through three sculpts to get it where it was. And a, an Irish guy, Kevin O'Boyle, who's an amazing sculptor, still is, uh, kind of nailed it. And I remember when that was done and sending pictures, we were like sending Polaroids back. I don't think <laughs> there was no internet really uh, that was usable for, for video and stuff. So I was videotaping, but I remember when we nailed it, everyone kind of went, yeah, that's that's. No, we were literally, Kurt, we were taking Polaroid photographs and then faxing them Faxing them, yeah. <laughs> that was the state of our technology so, at the time. And so a lot of a lot of those builds and things, that it was all happening in the UK. In London, yeah. Right, yeah. All of it, yeah, it was all built originally in London at the Henson Creature Shop in Hampstead. This was such a complicated production because you had to start with the draw, the concept that Alex was talking about and the drawings that Kirk did, and then sort of the delineation of the characters that Michael and I did, and then and Brian did, and, the, and then you had to bring in all of the performers. And it was the performers 
that then gave voice mm. and more personality and depth and richness. They were and terrible. I, Let's not talk about uh, that. They were, they were really good. But wouldn't it be great if people <laughs> that worked in London were here with us? That would be and great. Also three some, or four. Some of our three or only three. I or hope four, our maybe. producers, maybe, maybe. Oh, oh um, like Peter Brook, Brook or oh, oh, well, Rita, Rita, Rita Perugi. There's Nikki, Nikki Lyons. So if I could just real quick, if I just start with you, Pete, just at that okay. at that time, what would what was your role in all this? I, I was at the time I was working at the shop in Hampstead. I was a kind of designer sculptor, and uh, I uh, actually on dinosaurs I did the Roy character. Um, Kirk did all the other ones, right? And I did Roy, yeah. yeah. And Nikki, what was your role? What what was it that I, you? I were... build I build things and work out problems. I'm a construction <laughs> person, really. I, well, I walk thank, in. I, I, yeah. Thank goodness you've made Earl for me, because I'm so grateful. <laughs> that I, I, yeah. Why? Because I don't think anyone else could have made it to move the way it did on me, to fit as yeah. well as it did, to True. distribute the weight well, the I'm, way it did. I'm sorry I made it back there. I've got better since. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Now you're better. Yeah, so <laughs> and then now, <laughs> I found that um, I was amazed when I came in and I looked at the drawings and I thought, "What the heck is this?" Because it looks like <laughs> and weird Arctic dinosaur dinosaurs. And then the thing that clicked because it uh, was when Bob and Michael came and read the first script, and yeah. I just went, "Jesus!" I mean, it was so funny and it was so. Completely yeah. understandable of everything at that moment. Wow. That made yeah, me. And then now, Rita. And Nikki's absolutely right. I mean, initially we were like, "Oh my God, we've got to do all this in in next to no time." Yeah. And then when Michael and Bob came over, I remember it as well. And it was, it it, it was like the penny dropped for us all. You know, we were like, oh, okay, this is what it's going to be. You know, because initially it was it was a strange kind of show. And if you remember, Kurt, they all had hair as well. Yeah, yeah, Back the original the, designs. You know, well, not all of them. The the females, yeah. the women had hair. Charlene That's and the right. mom. Correct. And yeah. uh, I remember yeah. Brian was like, "Dinosaurs don't have hair." Now they're not sure if they have feathers. <laughs> but I'm like, "All right, well, okay, fine. They don't have hair." It's you know, it's yeah. like uh, we Robbie. Were to... But you made you made that great Robbie. Robbie choice. had spikes. Yeah, so we went with spikes. Uh, yeah. Robbie had spikes, and then Charlene, we gave her the frill of a ceratopsian, and so, uh, and it worked. It worked better, you know, in retrospect. But it was if you look yeah. at the designs, Fran and uh, Charlene have have big hair. Rita, can you just give us a Sure. Um, I came, uh, well, I sort of bookended it, if you will. I'm a producer mm. with Henson. Mm -hmm. So I was in that one of those early meetings in the New York shop, Kirk. I think that was there with you when you were showing yeah. the designs. And, I, and, I rem and it's so interesting to hear uh, how the development progressed to the green light, because I missed that whole section. But I always thought he was, you know, this was the honeymooners, and I was looking at your sketches. And really, at that time, I was in production in New York, and Jim was talking about, you know, the design and doing the characters, and, you know, I'm not sure. It felt like that was going to be a big job, and it was going to go to London. So it went and went to London, and I didn't get involved back into Dinosaurs until the last season, when uh, I became the producer, took over uh, after Brian and Pete. Uh, had gone on to other projects. And so I kind of shepherded the show for the Henson Company in its last season. So it's, right. it's an interesting how, journey. 
But wait, te wait. Technically speaking, how did the, the work on dinosaurs evolve from what you were doing on the Turtles movies? Were there advancements, of course? That, you know? To be honest with you, it, it, initially, like, like the pilot, <clears throat> there was, it was almost the same. But through, throughout the course of the, the seasons that we did with dinosaurs, we refined it and refined it to the point that when we were doing the final season, boy, it, there was quite a significant difference. In, just in terms of, uh, uh, well, everything really, you know, in, in terms of its um, uh, reliability. And, you know, it, we essentially ended up rebuilding all the characters throughout the, the course of the whole oh, uh, seat. Uh, right. What, four seasons, yeah. Because yeah, I remember, you, I mean, aside from the scale, right? So, cause, because Turtles really was more <laughs> fitted right. to yeah. those actors, right? Yeah, but, Robbie and, and Charlie also, were a bit more liked. Right, and a lot more oh. servos, right? That were kind of working in these characters, a lot more right things going on as well is that right i mean there well, was more the big step up in technology was going into ninja turtles where we said even if a character has 30 motors in it we're going to get one puppeteer to be able to perform it right yeah because oh, right. up until then before ninja turtles we were using cables a lot more often so the yeah. so we would have cables coming out of a of a character and then a puppeteer pulling the cable. It was a nice sensitive movement. So with Ninja Turtles, all those movements were cable driven, but then they were motors driving the cables that were inside the, the, the turtle shells. And yeah. so that's what we had just completed. So as we went into dinosaurs, we were approaching it much the same way where the motors weren't up in the head. The motors were outside of the head driving cables that were then driving the motors, and then, as as Pete said, very quickly, John Criswell, I'd say, led yeah. that sort of revolution yeah. of moving the motors up into the head so that they get yeah. more direct control. It was just progression, progression. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. It's really interesting that um, you're talking about all this technology, Brian. Dean Valentine said to me, we have Burke, Murphy, and Robert Iger. Those were the guys. Now, at that time, it was Cap Cities. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and they, you know, and ABC, uh, um, uh, Disney bought ABC from Cap Cities, and these were the guys at Disney. But at this point, it was still Cap Cities, yeah. and Dean said, "Michael, would you please give uh, Mr. Mr. Burke, Mr. Murphy, and Mr. Iger a tour of the dinosaur set?" And no one was there. And you just took four <laughs> minutes to explain the technology, and you understand it. And these guys asked me how this <laughs> worked. I said, yeah, um, I would have absolutely no idea. Um, and and but you're looking at all of this equipment here. Look how sophisticated it is. You have to trust it. And Bob Iger said to me, Michael, is there anything you have any idea of for certain? And I said, yeah, this is going to be the most expensive show on television. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got you all, well, we've got you all here now. Uh, we have something to show you you might enjoy. Some of you may remember yourselves. Uh, we, have a little, we have a little treat. Not, not all of you are in it, but here's just a little, little trip down memory lane. If we could get that little video. Are you rolling? Rolling. Are you rolling? Rolling. There's no red flashing light. I'm on. I'm on. It's always good to see you. It really is. Can you take one eye? It's like... Well, how are things going? Okay. Okay. Get it. 
That's a nice one, a little JVC. They make them smaller and smaller. And <laughs> you are Pappy Yoko. I am Pappy Yoko. scary. Pointing camera at me, and I can't think anything to say. It's so great that I zoomed in right there, and you just completely lost it. The first day, and I like to say, you know, pot. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Hi, I'm really excited about being on Canon Camera today. <laughs> Is this um, yours? Once upon a time, in a forest in Germany. <laughs> you want to see what the after effect looks like, right? Yeah. Okay. See? Yeah. Jack's been doing this for years. I've been years. doing this for years, yeah. I don't have a neck anymore. No problem for no, him. No, they removed the spine, but they put in the, the foam core stuff. Hold no, on, hold no. on a second, I gotta switch. Okay, there now, you go. I feel a lot better now, yeah. Hans, you're in front of the camera in five minutes. Now let's go, come on, we're burning daylight. Well, get on here. I can't. <laughs> I need some assistance. Get off of there and get on here. Okay, on. just a sec. Come on. <laughs> wow, a new camera. <laughs> We're suing Disney. We're suing, We're suing Disney. Disney. These are explosive devices, and if Disney does not give us a million dollars, I'm going to blow his freaking head off. <laughs> ah, so long ago. <laughs> we were just that children. Just that line that Bruce does just always cracks me up. <laughs> his delivery. Um, well, there's, there's some of it. You can see a lot more. A little teaser. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. We're going to show you, uh, before we get to take a couple questions, why don't we uh, show a couple pictures that we have um, from the set from way back you might find interesting. Can we put up the uh, first one? Why don't you explain this, Billy? Ah, well, that is the uh, head that I had to wear for almost four years. <laughs> Although this is the lighter version, I believe. This is a carbon fiber uh, structure, skeleton. You can see the black is all carbon fiber, which was created uh, and actually uh, devised by John Criswell and then the other people in the workshop. But basically, this is Earl's head, kind of a cross section. You can see the rubber around his jaw. You can see where some of the servos are up top. He has a little eyebrow, looks like two little white uh things that move his eyebrows around uh you can see the little white things in the front of the nose that move his lips um but basically if you can see i don't know if you can tell or not but in there where it looks like a little strap kind of down at the jaw that's the cast of my head or no wait or that's me i can't tell if that's me it is it, it is you that, in, yes that's you, the bottom right. You can see your lips and your cheek. So somebody... Everybody see oh, that? I don't even know. Yep. That's wild. I never noticed that. Anyway, that's cross-section of Earl's big old head. Next one. <laughs> what else we got? Oh, well, this is actually from the first photo shoots that we did before the show started for promo, for pro promotional stuff. And Dave Goals was... Uh, the puppeteer for Earl's head for his face, uh, and I'm in there. 
<laughs> you can kind of you can imagine now where Billy's head is actually sitting. It's kind of just behind the chin there. Yeah, right? I could only see him like between the chin and the, yeah. Yeah, I could only I could only see when the mouth opened. So, you know, whenever Earl would speak, I would get kind of a flash movie of what was going on outside. Uh, otherwise, I just had to figure out all my movements blindly. Yeah, because it wasn't, you know, a lot of people know by now that in Big Bird, he had a little monitor in his chest so he could get a sense of where he was walking. But you didn't have that. Uh, you just had the the mouth. Right. But uh, And some of the other characters, like uh, Robbie, Leaf could see out of the neck. Fran could see out of the neck. Uh, Misha, I don't think Misha, maybe he could see down through the chin, maybe a little bit. I'm not sure I have to ask him. But uh, yeah, so I could only see when the mouth was open. So a lot of times Earl is crossing the the living room. I would have to ask Mac or Dave to go ah, and have him sigh. So at least I could see the next five feet or so ahead of me. Next picture. Oh, well, there's the thirds. The, the thirds of Earl. There's Stuart Pankin, top left, uh, the voice of Earl. Mac Wilson, top right the puppeteer uh, for the amazing facial manipulations and features of Earl and the, and the jaw, of course, um, bringing that, that guy to life. And then the sweaty one in the bottom, me inside. All right. Um, oh, Gene, I don't hear you. I don't hear Gene. Sorry, I, sorry, I muted myself because there was a dog barking. I wanted to mute him out. Um, okay. We want to get Some back to the questions. show, but we want to answer a few questions first. Jason, you got anything? Yes, sirree. So, Jason, um, by the way, our lovely, handsome producer. Jason, yeah, I'm, I'm looking good on camera today. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be here, guys. <laughs> and uh, and we're having a good time in the chat here, so that's awesome. Um, so um, there was a question, uh, Bill, for you that there was a, a blooper reel of the show where Kevin was uh, improving during a break. Did you ever do that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I think we always improvise because we—that's how you find little things. You know, you stay true to the script and the structure of the scene or the story. But um, yeah, we always played uh, just to find little things, just to make it feel more organic and more in the moment. Always. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else? Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of questions about the costume specifically. I know you talked just a little bit about it, but uh, people want to know, what was it like to be inside? How hot was it? How difficult? You mentioned that it was kind of difficult to see where you were going, but what else can you elaborate on there? Well, I'll tell you, we're going to come to a section uh, where the people in the workshop are going to come on, and they'll talk a little bit about that. But just in, in general very hot very sweaty we lost a, a lot of weight so we would always be replenished with water we had people that kept us alive basically gave us air gave us uh uh liquids uh and just kept us going it was my suit i think in total i think the head in the very beginning was 22 pounds the suit in total was about 90 and then that that lightened up by about eight to 10 pounds when they changed that uh, shell and went to that carbon fiber, the lighter weight material. But you'll hear a little more from the Creature Shop about that. But yes, very sweaty, very stinky, very 
heavy and hot. Awesome. And then uh, how many Timmy's do you think Mr. Lizard went through? The crew seemed to have quite a supply of them. <laughs> I don't know. Only, only as many as he blew up. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to need another Timmy. Uh, I, I think <laughs> only as many as we have. So I don't know if that was three or four. I can't remember how many. All right. And uh, I guess maybe the last question for this part. Um, how long did you guys rehearse together before actually going on camera for an episode? Uh, so uh, the process, I'll just try and make this quick because I know we want to get back to this. Um, but really the process was, and you might see some of this in uh, a video eventually. Remember, hang in there till the end because there's a great video of the last day uh, of shooting, which I think people will be excited to see. Um, and in that, you, there's a few moments where you'll see we would do a little read through as, as the group. Uh, sometimes, depending on what part of the day it was, if it was in the beginning of the day, we were all still dressed in the clothes that we came in. If it was a scene a little bit later in the day, we then had gotten out of our big costumes, changed, got out of the wet stuff, put on little robes, and we would sit around, do a quick read of the scene, which were the puppeteers who are manipulating the heads, and the body suit performers would be there. Uh, as well. So we're all sitting there. Then we would walk it as ourselves without our suits. Uh, the director would block it with us. We'd figure out where to go, where we had to be. Then we would do it with our suits on so we could still see and we could navigate where we had to go. The puppeteers, uh, you know, doing the lines again off camera. And then heads on was always the thing uh, that they would call out. <laughs> heads on. Heads would come in, they would get us in there, and uh, then we would shoot the scene and and uh, and communicate. There was still a lot of communication going on because we all had headphones and we all had microphones. So you can imagine a cacophony of noise right before we would start to shoot. Everybody's talking to each other. Okay, I'm just going to go there. Okay, just make sure you do that. Can you hear me when I say this? Okay, let's change that. All these little things that would go on right before we shoot, and it would build up, build up, and then action. And then we would do a scene. So that was kind of the process. Gene, you're off again. Gene, you're off. Sorry, there's a very busy. Sorry, there's a very busy dog next door. Um, let's remind our viewers that uh, when we come back to the next segment, our guests have just seen the video that you saw. They're reacting to that. So why don't we rejoin That's right. them? And so, yes, it'll be about another. We'll go about another half hour. There'll be another break. We'll come back and uh, talk to you a little bit more, but enjoy this next segment, it's great. <laughs> well, Were um, we ever that young? Oh, <laughs> Kirk. Uh, well, so uh, folks, we, uh, we thank you for your time in this part of the show. We'd ask if you would maybe head back to the waiting area where there's some uh, hot towels and uh, some, some lemonade and bonbons and things like some that. Reiki massage. Yes, there's a little Reiki going on. We're going to have a we're going to have a little toast at the end of the show and a cake. So if you wouldn't mind hanging around, we'd love to have you for that. Yeah, please stick around and watch some of our other friends come on. We're about to bring on um, some of our uh, writers producers. Yeah, some fine. Oh, good. There's Tim. Tim Doyle. Here comes Victor okay. Fresco, Rob Eulen, Rich Tabak. Hello, gentlemen. So tell us, can you describe what the writer's room at environment or atmosphere was like for this show? Well, I think it was, I'll start, I think it was similar to 
all shows, you know, we start uh, by talking just generally about what the season's going to be and what the relationships are and start breaking uh, stories. I think the writers early on, I think I can speak for most of the writers in this, that I think we were more interested in the social satire of it mm. um, than we were in the family dynamic of it. So we knew that it was a show about this family dynamic, but it quickly in our minds, the fun to be had with it was to be able to comment on culture and politics, you know, in a way that we could never do on any other show. So that was just really funny. It's pretty uh, amazing really when you think the, the topics that you guys tackled, you know, the, what sexual harassment and, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of just really topical stories that I'm not sure people really were prepared for at the moment, you know, right at that time. I think it took a minute for them to catch up and realize, you know, how clever these stories were. That's to yeah. our, our big two-part epic on the, uh, uh, the Gulf War. I mean, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great. I love during, during the I run of the show. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Please. During the run of the show, um, the Soviet Union fell apart. And I remember Bob Young said, communism does not exist in the world anymore except on the show Dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I, also I think you guys had an interesting way of looking at it from an animal's perspective as well, the dinosaurs' perspective, even though they were, it seemed like they, you know, had obviously human emotions and problems, there was still that side of it that was still rooted in the animal, which I loved about it, you know? Well, there were, the, there were the animal things that we did, and there were also sort of like ancient tribal kind of things that we did, like the mm. origin of society. You know, I mean, part of the, the satire in it was, oh, these people are figuring out how to be a family, or these people are figuring out how to be a, you know, a, a government or a society, or, how, you know, what the role of a boss is and what the role of an employee is, you know the sort of the joke on the show was that they were doing all this stuff for the first time. So it had to be kind of uh, sorted out and, <laughs> right. and very rudimentary and, and, you know, and, and Earl and, and, uh, and Roy were dummies. And so them talking it, talking it through was always very funny. Yeah. Hey, Rich, yeah. Rich, were there people in the room that were more comfortable writing for certain characters and you played off each other or did you share that? You, you know, it, the funny thing is I actually was hired as originally as a script coordinator. So for me, being around these guys was, was such an incredible lesson about writing. Mm. Um, right. it, be, be, I mean, basically, I had a front seat to watch the most creative writers in the business. I mean, I, I hit the jackpot. Mm. And, and it was Victor who recommended me originally because we had just mm. gotten off another show. And I walk into this room, and these guys really have no boundaries. It, nobody, took a, nobody took a character although everybody could do the characters' voices. It, it <laughs> was really quite an amazing thing to watch because these guys were not just people who put things on paper. They were people who voiced the characters in the room to make mm. it come alive. So mm. I, I had a front seat to watch, you know, Tim, Rob, Victor, Dave and Brian, who are not here, and Dava just really develop these amazing no boundary characters. There, how many writers were there at one time? I mean, there, we only have a few of you here who are amazing writers and people should look them up and, and see the, the body of work that you guys have created. 
But how you couldn't many were get there? these people in the same room again. There's no That's way you right. could get this writing staff. <laughs> Even <laughs> after the show. Never, <laughs> never would, Rob. It was a, no. I mean, it's a tribute to Michael and the people around him. He hired a really strong staff. That was a very strong staff. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And I'm not sure how, who put that together. By the time we got there, obviously it was all done, but uh, right. there's a lot of good minds in that room. Jeff McCracken had a lot to do with it. And, and Don Tarnovsky, I don't know, if, Don Ostroff now, I don't know if they're, they're not here, are they? No, I, I, we tried tracking people down and I just, well, you, you guys know, I, I had a hard time trying to find some of you and, uh, but I'm no, so glad nobody's you're here. Blaming, nobody's blaming you for anything, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Not on the air anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, speaking of doing voices in the room, great little segue for us, but I know Tim, you did a voice actually on the show. Did anybody else do a voice in the show at all? Did Victor I did a bunch Robert? of them. You did? Yeah, I, I did Charlene's date with a really low voice. Hello, Charlene. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. One episode. But Tim did the best one. He did the crazy guy in the refrigerator. Yes. The, yeah, the, the, uh, general the general. So, Charlene, so good of you to come to our little party. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. yes. And, and we yes. did, too. Yeah, when there was an opportunity, we were all, you know, eager to uh, make that extra 80 bucks, you know, or whatever. <laughs> oh, you, were talking, you were talking about the characters. Um, and one thing I remember was we, we got a lot of mileage. At some point, we discovered we could get a lot of mileage out of a Robbie Earl conflict. The father-son thing was, was a big, um, deep vein in the show because he was the old-fashioned, stodgy one who had to let go of his, uh, his uh, hidebound ways. And, and Robbie was the visionary who could see how things could be. And um, I don't know, when it came to the social satire, we went to that well a lot. It was pretty good. Who, who, um, who where did Richfield come from? Anybody know? He was in the pilot. That was a yeah. Michael Bob creation. Uh, okay. Of the great right. Sherman Hemsley. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's great. Fantastic. Yeah, but so, we kept refining the voice. I mean, we would we, we would delight in the in the ways he would criticize them. You know, you uh, I'm gonna bite your head off and and, uh, and you know and suck the blood from your neck like a sports bottle. You know, <laughs> <laughs> gonna, and the best gonna, like I'm the gonna, you know cut off your I'm gonna cut off your scrotum and use it to play hacky sack. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the design was so beautiful and the performance. You know, Steve Whitmire and Leif Tilden doing that thing together and Dave Greenaway doing the eyes and the, I mean, he was I, my favorite character actually from the show. He was just, he was just an awful person and I just loved him and, and Sherman's voice fit just perfectly. Uh, whoever ultimately cast that, was that Brian? Who, who, who ultimately, oh, there he is. There's BP Richfield. Oh, I think Michael and Bob were, were ultimate casting kind of, but they were, they were, I mean, I guess we were all working hard to, to, to find great cast, but I think it was really Michael and Bob that were hearing it the most in, in their heads. And, um, I, I, but when Sherman came, it was so clear that it was going to be great. <laughs> well, I'd like to meet some of these people doing the voices, some of the other voice actors. Um, yeah. Boy, wouldn't it be nice if there were some here? We could at least get maybe two of them and someone else yeah. who worked in. Oh my It'd be goodness, so you ask oh, well, wait a receive. Minute. Oh my goodness. Hey, hey. Who is that gentleman there? Yeah, not the mama. That's not the mama. 
Can you tell us who you are, sir, and, and what is your role in this television show? My name is Stuart Pankin. I started out as a writer and a gynecologist. I decided <laughs> to go into show business. I actually read for the voice in the refrigerator, but they said, no, Doyle is brilliant. So I ended up, <laughs> doing, uh, I ended up doing, uh, oh, shit, uh, Earl, Earl. And I, oh, uh, that's I right, Earl. Have, I still have part of him. <laughs> Earl Sinclair. And uh, Kim Rosenfeld? Uh, yeah, I, um, I was, uh, I worked with Michael and Bob on a previous show and they said, come work on this, um, this little thing that we're doing. And I said, sure. They said, it's going to be really easy, totally manageable. And, uh, ended up being the most ambitious show I've ever worked on. I, um, it's an amazing show. Uh, uh, the way that I describe my job is once everything was shot on, on stage, we got rid of all the audio and uh, created a bunch of visual effects, and I was responsible for a lot of that, as well as um, washing Michael Jacobs' car. Ah, nice. <laughs> and, and I think that's everybody. I think that's everyone. No. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think that's it then. Uh, no, Mr. Kevin Clash, what, what, what was your part in all of this? I was the baby. <laughs> Actually, you know, what was so funny is Brian said, listen, I want you to come and try out Ethel and Richfield. Because ah. he said, you know, you did, you, you, you did Elmo and, you, you know, the Dynasty, you did, you know, Ninja Turtles, Splinter and older. Right. And he said, you know, do you really, yeah, you probably don't want to do another young, you know, thing. So I came out there and I played around with it. And it wasn't, neither one of those were kind of working. I actually did a little bit of Ethel. And then I put on the baby and all I just kept saying is, stupid. Stupid, <laughs> stupid, stupid. <laughs> you know, pertaining to all, all his parents. And yeah. it worked. <laughs> it worked. Wow. And so wow. I got stuck with a young puppet again, young baby. No, that's it's true. That's true. At the time, Kevin had, ju had just um, been doing Splinter, and it was so, so successful in Ninja Turtles. And after having done Elmo, the f most famous baby character in the world, at the time, was the most famous baby character in the world. It did feel like, hmm, should Kevin really be doing the now the next most famous baby character in the world? Same. Well, what happened is, let me tell you uh, what happened. The attitude is Michael, was so Michael, different. No, Michael, yes, Michael, so made me go in, Michael made me go into his office and he closed the door and he said, okay, do Elmo's voice. And I did it. And he said, okay, do baby's voice. And I did it. He said, okay, they're different. And then he let me out of his office. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all in the attitude, right? In the character. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And yeah, what, what, what do you base that on, Jack? Uh, Jack? I almost called you my son's name. Because uh, you were my son. In, <laughs> in uh, but but um, what do you base the baby's personality on? Was it in the writing? Was it all right there for you? Do you base oh, the baby me? on something? Yeah. Oh, for me, definitely, it was the writing. I yeah. think the funniest thing, when we were doing the opening, the, the, the first you know, introduction of all of them. Michael was sitting right off camera with me. And we were doing the different, you know, the different wraparounds for, you know, the show, the, the first show. Hmm. And he, at one point, um, we didn't know what to do. So he just said, just say, I'm gonna bite you now. He said, and, and, and somebody was, I'm gonna bite you now. And just, you know, it was all <laughs> these just throwing in all of these, you know, just things. He was there right beside me saying, do this. Right, right, you know, right. and, and I love that. I love the spontaneity of, of that. I mean, everything you know, there was an outline, but we still played around a lot too. Yeah, and Stuart, I, I'm so I'm curious who you based Earl on. Was it also in the writing? But 
where did you draw that character from? Because he evolved a little bit, right, too, as far as your portrayal of him. I think he was angrier in the beginning or something. And then, right. Oh, can I just say, we, I'm fortunate, to sh fortunate enough to share this character with you. Uh, we, we are each a third uh, of Earl. I was the sweaty third. Uh, you were the vocal third. <laughs> and Matt. And, da and Dave Goals oh, Dave in the Gold. first season. And then Mac Wilson, of course. Uh, you know, I can't that believe that I haven't, like? seen, I haven't seen my dad in like 30 years. Oh, well, there he is. I'm, I'm, I've seen him. You, you haven't, haven't changed in 30 years. <laughs> right? I know. Look at him. You're a damn fine-looking man. And I mean yeah. that in a platonic way. <laughs> but but what, how was it for you to change? How, what, what was that character like for you to do? Uh, well, I, uh, uh, a lot of people talk about the, the Flintstones and, uh, and uh, whatever all in the family. I based, I based Earl on a character in Long Day's Journey into Night because I thought it had the pathos and the depth. No, <laughs> Come on. Uh, the, the voice, there was an actor singer called Davy Burns. You're all too young to remember him. You know, like, oh, the time has come for parting. He was in a great movie called, uh, uh, I can't remember the name, but that's, that's kind of the voice that I came in with. And you're right, it, 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 started, to be, it started to be angry. Uh, uh, Michael actually, he actually asked me to, to do plastic surgery to reduce my chin so that it would be like that, <laughs> that yeah. character that he liked. Like the, oh, that, yeah. I, that, of right. course, I refused. But yes, it be it was uh, in the beginning. Mike kept saying he's big, he's angry, he's angry, and mm -hmm. uh, we had some discussions about that. And then later, as it evolved, it not only was this, but it was like friend, you know, are you are you this and that? You got sweeter. Come on, friend, yeah. you like you know. So it it had it had different things, which was made it very fun to play. And and of course, the words were were yeah. so fun to say. Well, you also yeah. have to realize, with the exception of Kevin, who is you know, the puppeteer and the voice, mm. all of the other, all the other voice artists were not actually crafting the visual performance. So unlike looping a performance that they might do or an actor might typically do, they were having to figure out how to sort of embellish and add to an mm. existing physical performance and, yeah. you know, create dimension to that, which was, I don't, to date, I don't really know a process like that. And that was an evolutionary process, as Stu was referring to. But also, I think there was a, um, you know, when it, when it came time to shoot it, there were so many variables and things that could happen on the stage <laughs> that you couldn't maybe perform in a script or that was expected to happen. And, and so it, the organic side of that also came out because the puppeteers were, you know, finding the moments as well, as well as the performers. And I think... But it would start there and then it would grow and change and then come back. And then they would, then on top of that, the voices would come in and embellish even more. So it just kept growing it and kind of changing in a, a beautiful way. Sorry, Stuart. I didn't cut you well, I'm just going to say what Brian said. In cartoons, animated stuff, you do the voice first and then the artist, the, the cartoonist, then, then match the, the picture to you. In dinosaurs, mm -hmm the voices came first because the puppeteers were uh, moving the astounding uh, servo mode, servo mode, whatever you call them. Yeah. Uh, and now, Mac- Except for guest artists. Was, Except for guest artists. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, right, 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 right. But with Mac, it, like if I had a, a puppeteer, and they're all great, all the handsome people are great, everybody knows that. But if I had somebody that sounded a lot like me, it would be kind of di difficult. But it was nice because Mac was up here like this, you know, honey, I'm home. Home, you know, kill somebody for me. And, I, and, and, and when, 
That's true. You know that. That's right. Yeah, he, was so kind of, he, was, he was doing like this kind of thing. He was doing like. Well, he was way up here, and he always had his moves up here, and he looked like this, which was great. You know, except that for me, it's like, oh, thank God he wasn't good. You know, he wasn't deep and low and dinosaur-like, or I'm out of right. a job. Out of a job, so, yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was fun, interesting. I always used to say it was a job that I loved having, but was so difficult to do because mm. you're sitting in a room with Kim, who didn't know shit. <laughs> no, this man was incredibly, incredibly useful and helpful. Patient too, right? And patient, patient with me. And and you're sitting in a dark room and you're replacing these voices. And you know, between the two of us and all the guys in the booth, you got something that that we were happy with, and then we moved on. So it was, yeah. it's a great job, I, and I'm grateful to I, what's his name, Michael Jacobs. Oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask? I'm I'm curious. So here we're 30 years later. I'm curious what, what it would sound like if the baby were still living at home with Earl. What kind of what kind of conversation might that be? What? Daddy! What? I need the car. You need you, you need the car? I need Your the car. Give me the keys. Even, your feet can't even touch the pedal, for God's sake. Who the hell? Who cares? Now, just give me the keys. Uh, all right, I'll give you the I keys. I want to go to McDonald's. That no, was great, guys. That be the first time. <laughs> Yeah, can we do the keys? Keys was about two frames out of sync. <laughs> well, there are Kevin. There are a number of people who are requesting some of those popular uh, baby lines. If you would honor them, do you mind? I'm the baby. Gotta love me. Hello, fat boy. Not the mama. Not the mama. I'm gonna bite you now. Thank you. Thank you. Very All right. Nice. Well, thank you all thank so much. Our writers. Yes, and please don't go away. I hope you'll stick around for a little bit longer. Watch the rest of the show. Uh, and uh, please stick with us to the end for our little toast. We're going to keep Stuart and Kevin and Kim and Brian with us. And we're going to bring on our next group, uh, the most annoying people on the show. <laughs> here. And I'm, with us. <laughs> once we bring them on, yes. Yeah. Oh, there's some folks. Oh, yeah. There's some faces. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, we are. This collection. So, of oh, Mr. Allen. So, guys, oh. we're gonna go. We're gonna go around the horn a little bit. I'd like to just, if you don't mind, please briefly say who you are and what you did on the show. Let's start with Alan Trotman. Hey, guys. Uh, so I was uh, Fran's puppeteer. Um, on what does stage. that mean? So <laughs> I would do basically everything from the neck up on yes. Fran. So during production, I would do her dialogue and all of her facial expressions. And then um, uh, that's it. As but well as other, what we called unisaurs. And uh, yeah, characters. that's true. Uh, there were, you know, the day players. Um, there was a lot of characters. There were a lot of characters that came on once or twice. I did Mr. Uh, Pullman, the science teacher. And there were some of those characters that it was great because I got to do the voice on that one too. So you know, Mr. Pullman was just, Charlene, what are you doing? Yeah. And uh, there were a couple of other characters that were a lot of fun like that. Awesome, Bruce Lenoyle. Yeah, um, I'm Bruce Lenoyle. I did the animatronic head for Charlene with Sally Struthers and the great Mr. Lynn Sisti. Uh, and also I got to do a Unisaur Ed with uh, Pons Mar and Jack Tate. And uh, one of the greatest jobs anybody could ever have as an actor. It's been an amazing experience. Awesome. Let, me just, uh, jump in, oh, let me jump in for a second. When you guys are talking about your jobs, your, your roles there, can you explain what you're physically doing for the viewers? 
my main character was Monica de Vertebrae, the big blue brontosaurus head and neck, <laughs> um, who looked like a head and neck. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I operated her face. Um, and she was unusual because she had a, a big team of people working. She was more like a film creature where there were a bunch of cables to move and she was like a team of five or six people. Um, mm. I also did some of the hand puppets and some of the other creatures. I um, often helped with Roy's arms. I did Roy's little <laughs> T-Rex right, arms. Right, yes. Um, and uh, Robbie's eyes I would help with. And um, You know, it's a lot of people don't realize um, whenever we saw Monica, in the show it was the neck and the head we never we there was no body except sometimes there were shots outside where they had right where they had the mm. her back end and tail kind of coming into the kitchen side of the house or something right yeah yeah uh, okay john kennedy i know you you look so hey. familiar to me yeah hey <laughs> i did uh baby sinclair's eyes with uh, kevin kevin did the mouth and the voice and then i did pretty much everything from here up <laughs> uh, I got to perform uh, Sid Turtlepuss, uh, the uh, Unisaur with Michelin Sisti, and uh, I got with, uh, I did uh, the, the eyes and, and lips of Spike with uh, right. David Greenaway. Yes. Yeah. And Mr. Sisti, you busy? What's the matter? You busy? Oh, I'm just catching up on my soldering. Sorry, let me put that. Oh, <laughs> well, I can come back to you. I can come back to you if you like. Okay. You all right? Oh, okay. Pons? Pons Mar? Hello. Can you tell hey. us? He's actually soldering. I will tell you. Um, I actually assisted Brian for the casting, the original casting of the puppeteers and the suit performers early on. In the show, I was inside Roy. I was in the suit, which meant my hands were up here. And <laughs> someone else, usually Julianne, was doing his little hands. Uh, Dave Greenaway <laughs> was my head's puppeteer. And uh, Sam, Sam. McMurray. Sam, Sam McMurray, yeah, oh, great yeah. voice. He did uh, Roy's voice. I was also in uh, Ed, one of the Unisaurs. And a Unisaur, which people may not understand when we say day player, that was a yeah. character that was in a script. We had three, I think, uh, Unisaur suits. And there would be alterations to the suit, different wardrobes, uh, some kind of weird appendage off a head or something. And they would, mm -hmm. we would play different characters depending on the need of the episode. Which I, I love those characters because it did actually remind me of the honeymooners where some of the same actors would play different people, you know, like the mailman <laughs> or the doctor. And uh, I just love that there was a rotation like that. It was so fun. Can we go Misha, back to Misha? You now, are you soldering. finished? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm done. Soldering? I'm done. Yeah, thanks. It's cool. Can you tilt down your camera a little bit so I can see a little more of your soldering if you go back to it? <laughs> or just, just grow, just, just grow yeah. a little. Yeah, show us your Hey, Mish, who are, who are you? Hi, I'm Michelin Sisti. I had the privilege of being, in addition to Pons, a unisaur many, many times. I was Sid Turtlepuss and got to do Sid Turtlepuss and Sid was many other characters as well. <laughs> yeah. And I also had the very great privilege to be inside of Charlene in that, in a platonic way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, oh yeah. Awesome. And uh, uh, I'm sorry, I can't, the, the spelling. With Misha, you should just say, Misha came straight off of Ninja Turtles because Misha was doing Michelangelo, was performing inside Michelangelo and Ninja Turtles. So he was one of the folks that we made move to London, LA. It was like, you have to now move to LA. <laughs> it's true. And it's a, true. another he, turtle. Go ahead. Sorry, Misha. I was just going to say, okay. it's true. He said, don't pack your bag yet. 
Don't pack the bag yet. So just keep, keep it handy. <laughs> Someone else coming off the Turtles movie is our friend Leif Tilden. Hello. Who? Who's in? There you are. Hi. Leif Tilden, what did you do? What were you, what did you do? Uh, I, I was, uh, <laughs> that's a very good question. <laughs> There's so many ways I could answer that. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's go with the first season. What did you do? Please go with that, folks. So, uh, so the, uh, yeah, I physicalized Robbie Sinclair. I was inside the suit for Robbie. And uh, I was the arms of Richfield. Yes, yes. Another, another person I st stuck next to. Actually, we lived together. But I followed his lead on a lot of this stuff because I was very familiar with how to maintain being inside of something and actually finding a way to you know, uh, not go too over the top. Although my first season, I think it was ridiculous. I was so big, but uh, took a lot of lessons from watching Misha and, and Leaf and their subtlety. And so I uh, appreciate all of that. Going to Mr. Jacques Tet. Jack T. Yeah. Uh, hi, I'm Jack T. I was a utility supernumerary. Uh, um, I, I was in uh, Ed's when Roy, uh, when Pons was not in Ed, and I was in Gus, and I did right. a couple of the voices. God, uh, yes. They, they used to throw us little bones stuff, you know, once you, you know, like you said, getting, getting your $80 that week. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was the best job of my life it was my favorite thing i ever did well and uh, if i i just have to say it but uh you are a, an uh anonymous very famous person that people don't realize i'm not a, jack, I'm a celebrity i am but i play one on tv jack <laughs> is in fact jack in the box let's just <laughs> let this five years. yes wow. and then we have mr ricky bullied hi hi Tell us all about yourself. What are you doing? Sure. I am in Georgia at my sister's house. Oh. And it's yeah, for um, lunch. Yeah, yeah. I've got a ceiling fan. You maybe can see. <laughs> uh, I, I was brought on in season uh, three and four, primarily oh. <laughs> to uh, be uh, the hand puppeteer for Grandma. And I worked with uh, Dave Greenway who did the controls for the face. And then yes. of course, uh, Florence Stanley did the voice. Well, when you say hand puppeteer, you were also inside of, of that character. Yeah, you I was were... inside, but uh, under underneath the, she's a fairly large puppet, but I would get inside the chair, her wheelchair mm. or seat mm. and a little fiberglass seat, had a car battery in there and a television. <laughs> and and I would sit down and then they would strap the puppet on top of me. So I wasn't really physically inside a, the body like you were, but right, she was right. sitting on top of me. And, and, then, and you, sorry, other characters, you did other characters as well? Yeah, there were a couple of unisaurs. I remember Ray Gherkin Jr. was the custodian at the school that wanted to date Charlene. <laughs> yes. And that was Jack Tate inside. And then there was uh, Pearl, Pearl Sinclair, which was Tom Fisher, which That's was right. Earl and Drag. That's right. And I can't remember the lady that did the voice for that. Uh, but anyways, and then various hand puppets. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just while we're on Ethel, can we just, Brian also performed Ethel. Right, Brian? Yeah. Well, under there. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I started, I was doing so many different things. Yeah, I did start Ethel. And I did her for most of the first season, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I was doing so many different things. She was just, she was a cool one because she was a, a hand puppet and animatronic, kind of like Baby, kind of like Richfield. It was kind of nice, the, the more of those that we brought in. But yeah, so I was, yeah, doing her in the first, in the first season, which was always good fun. But I just got to say, that ceiling fan in Ricky Boyd's house is yeah. so impressive. It's like, <laughs> that thing is like, that ceiling fan's the size of the room, or it's right over your head, in which case, don't stand like up a, quick, because it looks... No, it's like an, the bald spot? Take him out. It's like an airplane uh, prop. Yeah. <laughs> then, can we go to Terry Harden? Yes. Hi. Hi. Oh, uh, my name is Terry Harden, and I'm Team Baby Sinclair. I was the arms, which means I did this. <laughs> or I did this, it was the mechanics. A lot of times I was uh, almost uh, glued, super glued to Kevin. Um, right to your back, Kevin, it's good to yes. see you. And, uh, and you. Uh, John Kennedy, it's all about collaboration. And you know, we were just all this team and I remember doing tons and tons and tons of eyes for various characters. Mm -hmm. And then with Ricky Boyd, we did students hands during one of them, we all, I have a great picture of us raising our hands and they're all puppeted and stuff. And then uh, hand puppets, et cetera, et cetera. But really uh, the thing I remember most is just that we were all such a huge, amazing interactive team. And it mm. just was so impressive that you had so many people interacting and, and putting together. And then Baby was just a joy to perform so much. I love doing it with uh, Kevin and John. Awesome. Hey, Tom Fisher. Hey, What's I, was happening? On, I was brought on the show to uh, get in a, somebody else's sweaty suit. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I also, played, I also played his sister, Pearl, and a lot of ancillary characters. Mr. Pullman was one. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. Again, a lot of, a lot of Unisaur supporting characters, all yeah. those different characters. So Bill, you all, brought all to life. Bill, I got all the offerings. Tom, do you remember that the reason that we even knew about you was because you came to the audition with your wife. Yes. She well, had actually been auditioning and you were just hanging out. And we're like, well, why don't we bring uh -huh. this guy in? Yeah. <laughs> she, was pretty, she was pretty pissed off about that. We're not married anymore. Uh -huh. That's right. Yeah. Uh -huh. She didn't get the job and he, yeah. It broke up the marriage, but you got a job out of it. Yeah. I, wanted to ask, I wanted to ask Stuart. Stuart, when, when you would come to like, I don't know how often you had a chance to visit the set while we were shooting. Just curious what that perspective was like as a person who's coming to watch all of this insanity kind of unfold. Oh, it was great. It was, it was exciting. I mean, to, to look at that set and, and the, the raised platforms and the, and the large, and the large uh, uh, props. I, I remember going there any number of times, putting on the head one, your head once and saying, <laughs> oh dear God, Bill, God, you know, God, God bless you. Because it was, it was hard. And yeah. When I was, my kid was at school, we used to have a, um, charity giveaways. And one of the most successful ones, and Michael and, and Disney, I guess, uh, said it was okay to give, to let him bid on a trip to the set of dinosaurs. And that uh -huh. happened any number yeah. of times. So these kids and their parents used to come and, uh, and just walk around the set. It was magic. It was yeah. absolutely magic. Uh, yeah. um, and, and 
it was a great job. It was a great experience. It's, and insane. Even Kevin was great. <laughs> he was okay. <laughs> so, can I, Gene, I'm just going to throw out a question here. What was it, how did we communicate while we were shooting? And I just want people to imagine. Imagine at least two people per character and a family of five. What was it like to communicate when you're about to do a shot? It was about like this. Everyone was talking at the same yeah, time. What do you mean, Dave? Emmett, do this forever. What it was like in our heads, because we all had headphones and microphones. Uh, and that's it, what it really sounded like in there. For somebody who wasn't on the set, I was on the set any number of times when you guys were shooting. And mm. it was, it was an unbelievably impressive what people were doing with their the hands and those servo motors. I didn't understand any of that until I saw it. And then people told me, oh, well, this one show, that could be highbrow up. And then another show, it could be lip down. You change the settings of the servo motors. I'm saying this is this is wizardry. This is just, and everybody was, everybody seemed to like each other, and everybody did, despite that that little cacophony, worked together so well, and it was it was fabulous to watch and see. Hmm. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, speaking of getting in the sweaty suits, I, I was there a lot, and I, I witnessed a lot of pain <laughs> coming from working as a suit performer, and. There was vomiting and fainting and, uh, <laughs> and pulled muscles. And, and can you guys talk audience. about that? <laughs> well, what people don't know is that uh, what you're seeing now, this is actually the third set of the cast. The first two <laughs> cast. Everyone, they all died and they were replaced pretty much beginning of a new Yeah, season. we should have a moment of silence for all the other two. You had everybody doing that, like, cacophony, that it was like, it's like a, an orchestra warming up where, you know, everybody's sort of like doing their riff and finding their note and then they all come to the same note in unison and it was really kind of this brilliant choreography when you actually got into a scene when you have all those variables and everybody in sync it's it was kind of miraculous just yeah yeah and, and the fact that the directors and the ad's and that crew could corral that kind of chaos that was all going on all the different people involved with each character and i don't know how we ever like i, I think it was just we were just like puppies the buzzer would go <laughs> and everybody would go, okay, time to go. Okay, cut. And then we'd move on. Well, that was a little trick from the ADs. Yes, yes. Dirt. That was Joe Moore chiming in. Hey, James. Should we, we have a video we, we yeah. would like to show you guys. Um, and, and if we can just clarify, Gene, so it may stutter and judder, but when, it's, when we do the live stream tomorrow with the show, the image will be much cleaner and nicer, but I hope you can enjoy. Uh, could, the, could you define judder? Did I say judder? <laughs> I'm just yes. curious what that means. Is that a technical it's term? A technical, it's a technical term, it's, Stuart. It's, it's jiggle technical. and shudder. It's jiggle <laughs> yes. and shudder. Yeah, jiggle shudder. Please judder. All right, so let's take Stand up and jump up and down. You'll probably judder. <laughs> Camera mark. Haven't you ever been in that kind of situation where you know you've been inside like a latex suit that weighs 100 plus pounds? Mm. Very nice. Very nice. Does this make me look fat? Um, 
<laughs> Not yet. Not yet, no. What are you trying to say? I'm old? No, not at all. Ma'am, would I say a thing like that? Oh. Hi, I'm just here in Kishida. And we're, um... The opposite preference, we have... It all started with two extra servos. <laughs> Did you say two, two extra? extra servos and, and lunch? I should have never had lunch. <laughs> Let's try this. Uh, too much brain Mr. Brando. Just Good get, morning. Just getting ready for his park here. Hello. Which part are you playing today, Mr. Brando? Today I'll be playing the fat rubbery one. Oh, let me get a look at you here. Yes. Oh. No putting on sneakers. Oh my god. What they've done is they they proportioned the skin to my body. Oh amazing. So everything fits just right. Mm, yeah. I mean I fill out the costume perfectly. Okay, so seriously. Seven oh hearts. Oh wait, cheese it the cops! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, did the game end? Yeah, yeah, no, they, they got busted. Put them away. Oh, man. Oh. Typical. Hey, I wanted to mention yeah. something. Uh, one of the scariest days I witnessed on the set was in an episode where you're swallowed by a huge creature. Do you remember the name of the episode by any chance? Um, no, somebody on the chat will. <laughs> But you decided you wanted to do a tumble salt down the throat of this creature. And knowing the weight of that costume, everybody was holding their breath when you did it because we didn't know whether somebody you were going to snap your neck in half or not. So um, I have to hand it to you. That was pretty brave to do in something that heavy and that clunky. And he pulled it off, folks. I guess, I, guess I thought I was so padded. Maybe I couldn't get hurt, but I really didn't think about it. I just thought it needed a big physical thing to make him look small in that big mouth, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> was, cool. Should we show a couple of pictures? Yeah, let's do that. What do you want to bring up and explain? I don't know. What's our, what do we have? Oh, oh well, there we go. Look at me. Look at me. I look, look anemic. At you don't look anemic. You just look young. But, but, but look at that. Look at, actually, actually, you don't look much different. Uh, but look at the scale of the characters. So just to give people an idea of how big they were and how big our sets were, I think people were just blown away when they would come on our set because everything was so huge and scaled up. You know, it was pretty cool. I think that was another one? when I visited before I moved out there. Yeah. What's next? Aha. Uh -huh. oh. Oh, look at those guys. So there, there's a group of crazy people. There's Mac Wilson at the front, Steve Whitmire. So Mac was uh, the uh, the animatronic head and character of Earl. Steve Whitmire, same animatronic head and character of Robbie. Bruce Lenoyle of, of Charlene. I think that might be Dave Greenaway all the way at the end there. 
Um, but this was kind of uh, their a station. It would move around the set depending on where we were shooting. But uh, all of this equipment would have to be moved around every day, every scene to different spots. And this is where the guys would do their programming and they would fix things. And this is where they would work from off camera while we were on set. So they were, so between them and us on the set were the cameras and the crew. And uh, yeah, pretty amazing, pretty amazing. I, I love seeing all those people. I miss them so much in that, that last segment. They're yeah. just all the, they just seem the same. They're all the same. They're all so cute. Oh, here's a good shot. There's Terry, Kevin. They're looks like they're probably next to the baby's uh, high chair. Uh, and uh, there's Jane Gutnick sitting right there, foreground sitting up there. Jane Gutnick from the workshop. She, she, uh, amazing person. I can't tell who that is next to her though. It might be Jean Guy, who was also part of the workshop. Um, but Jane was always there, taking care of the baby, taking care of Ethel. Everybody, everybody works so hard. Anything else? There's another. Oh, that was it. Okay, we're going to show more. We'll show more at the end. Why don't we take a couple of questions before we get back to our guests? What do we have there, Jason? All right. So, uh, Bill, um, whenever you were in the Earl suit and on the floor, did you have a hard time getting back up? Oh, yeah. I had to have people help me get up. Uh, in addition to him just being very wide um, and the head being heavy, there was a saddle inside. So it, there was so when he would sit, excuse me, when he would sit, there was a built in saddle that I would sit on. And so that was always in there kind of between my legs. So I always I walked with a very wide <laughs> uh, uh, span between my legs. But, but the weight just was, there's no way I could get up. I was, I was basically like a turtle. Yeah. I couldn't get up without help. <laughs> awesome. Forgot about that. What were, yeah. what were some of the onset complications or dilemmas that you guys had on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, well, you'll be hearing some of that from the creature shop coming up. The people from the workshop, uh, heads breaking down, you know, these are just, these are mechanical beings and so a lot of servos and wires and i had a uh something blew out inside of my head and there was smoke in there and i had to hold my breath until they got <laughs> i forgot about this until they got the head off uh this gaseous smoke from one of the servos went off and blew up and um but uh you know uh just people being exhausted the crew worked so hard everybody worked so hard you know, it was just about making sure people stayed safe. And um, because you when you get that tired, and you work that many hours, especially the workshop, they were the, they work the hardest, um, you can have accidents. And so fortunately, we didn't have many, uh, but a few times passing out, throwing up, that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And, and along those lines, what about um, uh, on-site uh, physical help? Did you guys have like a physical therapist on-site or any other kind of uh, medical attention to help you and support you? Um, well, there wasn't one kind of uh, official person the whole time. We did have people occasionally come in and would uh, work on us. That, that kind of came in the later seasons. 
but I fortunately had a, a, a caretaker dresser named Greg Hamlin, who um, was a very uh, uh, he was very much into to health and well being and 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 making um, you know physio physiotherapy, and so he would just kind of work on me and work on other people. I know Gene, you had a a massage from him probably a few times. Uh, painful the next thing. help. Yeah, yeah, very painful. painful. He and those he would really that he get. Yeah, and then he would make a, a special little drink. We would have shots, little shot glasses, plastic shots, and it was um, uh, uh, apple cider vinegar, lobelia, and cayenne pepper, and it would just light you up. It would just hit your your bloodstream and wake people up and kill anything that was probably trying to <laughs> manifest in there. But uh, yeah, it, and he would work on people and help people. We all, everybody, everybody's caretaker will help them massage people. You know, we are all just. We're just amazing, amazing group of people. We all touchy feely, huggy, fixy. Does anybody, you know, we're always looking after each other, I think. Come here. Come here. Oh. Oh. Uh. Uh, we're going to have to change the rating of this, uh, of this show for uh, adults only at this point. All right. So, all right. All right. Uh, Before we get back to our friends, you want to yes, do another forget- one or are you ready to? You know, we're uh, going to be, we're going to have a lot of time at the end of the uh, show, too. So why don't we get back to our guests and uh, talk more about the show, and then we'll we'll be back later for that. This is, this is our third segment, which is going to take us to the end. So we hope you enjoy it. Hang in there, and uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Oh. Well, uh, I, we hope you'll hang in a little bit longer uh, with us. We're going to ask you to head back to the waiting room, enjoy the flowers and the uh, food. Peace. Um, and we're going to invite, yeah. invite our friends from the workshop and the creature shop uh, to come on. So please hang out to the end if you can. We'd love to see you for the little we have cake and a tribute and a toast. Yeah, cake. <laughs> All right, so why don't we nice. bring in some people from the Creature Shop. We've got a yes, bunch of them here we'd like to talk to. Um, what can we do to make that happen? Hmm. Creature Shop people? Creature Shop people. I don't think Creature they're going to want to be a part of this. What the? What? They're, what? Oh, they're coming in, in droves. Look who it is. If you could click on your little audio. Oh, there it comes. coming on. Look at this group. Oh, yes, we're droves. That's what we were. We're droves. <laughs> Hi, everybody. There's Julie. Hey, so so I'm gonna, if you don't mind, just go around and ask you if you could just just mention your name and just give us a brief kind of, you know, sense of what you did on the show for our for our audience, and then we can kind of move into some other things. Can I start with Jill, please? Mm. Um, hello, I'm Jill Thrace. Um I came onto Dinosaur straight from uh, Turtles with some of the same people. Um, Day and I came on, and um, we were mostly on the set looking after the dinosaur. I was mostly involved with Misha and Charlene. Um, and then when Day left, I supervised the dresses. And it was such fun. That, <laughs> that just reminded me what fun it was. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> oh, nice. Let me, uh, I'm going to go to Marion. Hi, I'm Marion Keating McCoy. Um, I set up the workshop. I had just come from Ninja Turtles production also. And we set up the workshop and got all of the costumes from London fitted. And we worked on the whole production for those many years. Got it. Lisa Rocco. Hi. Hi. Oh my gosh, it's so good to see all of you. And uh, <laughs> a lot of people have been mentioning how teamwork and how we were all such a big team. But we were a family too. I mean, we really were. And to get together 30 years after, we did it at 20 years, at 10 years. Um, one of the things that I did was take care of Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. And Tony inside of uh, Fran. Yeah. And basically our job was to make sure they stayed alive. We had to keep them hydrated and we had to wear a timer and every hour we'd have to pop their heads off. They're literally, their heads came off so that they could breathe and rest a little bit so they could go on and sweat some more. Um, <laughs> <it was laughs> a lot of these guys, when they were wearing the suits, they couldn't see where they were going. You know, they, like Earl, he was looking through his neck. So he Actually, had interesting you say that, but I actually didn't see out of the neck. I saw out of the mouth when it oh, was yeah, open. Oh yeah, out of the mouth. That I'm was sorry. the but that was kind of the fun part was that I always had to ask Mac when Earl would cross the room, Earl would go, ah, just so I could see the next five or six feet ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> Get to the next line. Ah. Yeah. yeah. That was uh, uh, Day Merch. Look at okay. Hi. I'm Day, and uh, Jill and I set up the dressing team. I don't like calling them dressers. The onset <laughs> care team. Yes. On set uh, care team, absolutely, um, right. <laughs> I only did the first series. All right. And uh, I looked after well, Leaf. And you looked after <laughs> Leaf, that's yes. And Laura Baker? Hi, everyone. Um, Hi. My name is Laura Baker, and I worked on set with everybody, all the dressers. But my job mainly was to dress all the dinosaurs in the custom costumes that were made. And uh, I remember every time I dressed Bill, he would sing to me. <laughs> he would serenade hey, me. Laura, Laura. <laughs> so, and it was, it was a terrific job. A lot of great memories. And, and we were family and we're still a family. Yeah, and we have Julie Zobel with us. Hi. I was, um, I, I'm Julie. I was a builder at the time back in the New York shop. And uh, I got a call from Marion saying, uh, you want to come out for two or three weeks? We've got a few problems. We need to work the kinks out in Roy's suit. And I said, yeah, okay. I'm just like doing inventory of the thread drawers here. So why not? And that was in uh, January of 1991. And I'm still in Los Angeles. <laughs> so it's your fault, Marion. <laughs> wow. But, uh, you know, I just, there were, um, you know, people have talked about how hard this show was. And it was. But um, I think that we all knew we were making something that had never been done before. And so there was an excitement about doing that. Um, mm. But the fatigue part of it, the work that, you know, the hard part of it for us uh, meant that uh, for the women anyway, we discovered at some point that if we went from the basement of stage 18 up to the, it was 18, right? It was stage 18? Um, 18 up to, to the, 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 the restroom, which was on the parking level. Um, and you, you know, you didn't even have to go to the bathroom. You just needed some space to be alone. 
but you'd hear people crying in the stalls. <laughs> it, was, it was the women Aww. from our team, you know. And so finally, Aww. we had to stop going to that room, and you know, and we found a patch of bamboo out by the LA River. <laughs> and Marion was very generous. She said, you know, you're welcome to have a, a nervous breakdown if you need to, but you know, you got five minutes, so you're on the hot <laughs> boat. <laughs> That's it's great. True. You got it's five true. minutes. Go have a breakdown, then come back to work. <laughs> <laughs> it helped. Oh, wow. And Peter Abramson. Yes. I hey. was an animatronics uh, person. I wrangled heads and rebuilt Robbie on season three. Was that when we did the full rebuild? Um, I don't know. Can't I can't remember. We took all the heads and completely built them from scratch again. Uh, Dinosaurs was like my third or fourth film job. I'd done a couple of movies beforehand. And strangely enough, the, my wife had got me the connection to get the job through uh, Cheryl Fetko, um, Chuck's um, wife. But what was even funnier is that my wife went to school with Michael Jacobs back in high school. So oh, yeah. I, I didn't get the connection and get the job through that, but. Right, <laughs> right, right. Wow. We worked for John Criswell, basically, on the whole time of doing the mechanics and hmm. dealing with all the servos and the cable controls and all of that. Showing up at, what did we show up at? 6 a.m. on a Monday morning and then left sometime at about 2 or 3 a.m. on a Saturday. Well, so that's, that's, I wanted to ask, you know, I think people need to understand that, and at least as far as I'm concerned, I, I can't think of anybody else, but I think the hardest working group were the people in the workshop and and the, the caretakers day is that correct can i say caretakers that's nice <laughs> the caretakers on set because you guys came in the earliest because so we were on stage 10 that's where we shot dinosaurs but the workshop was stage 18 and that probably felt like a mile away because <laughs> well i'll let you guys explain it but so can someone take us through the process of what time you got there what needed to happen to get everybody going <laughs> in their suits and all the animatronic stuff and then wrapping that up at the end of the night. Can anybody kind of- So in the mornings, we would show up and the heads, Mike would have been, Big Mike would have been there probably painting and Marion would have been cabo patching like skin bits that were torn from the night before. Uh, they were all being finished, touched up, painted get loaded in the back of a stake bed on the backside down by the river of, um, you know, it was a van down by the river, um, the back <laughs> on the stage. And then we would take all of the heads that were meant for that day's worth of shooting and drive them up onto the top of the, the hill up to stage 10, unload. You guys would show up, start getting dressed and everybody else would start putting you guys in your suits. But that was just the heads, right? The suits were that a whole was, I was just dealing with right? the heads. The suits yeah. was a whole the suits had to get out there. Yeah, Jill, what was also it like moving those suits bed. around? Well, we had some lovely trolleys that I think were made by um, Greg Hamlin that were all loaded onto the stake bed. The stake bed would do another trip up to the stage and they'd get all unloaded and um, we'd have checked everything. And, we had to set up the space. We might be in different spaces from time to time because of the set yeah. changes. And then... Because um, <laughs> I just, yeah. I remember thinking, how can you guys, 
you bring all of the suits and the heads, but once you get on the stage, the stage was also raised. So then mm. they had to be raised up onto the stage and they had to be taken down off <laughs> of the stands that they were in. Then we get in them, you guys would take care of us, make sure we didn't die. And then by the end of a 13 or 14 hour day, you'd have to take the big sweat, wetty suits and put them back up onto the cards. <laughs> take them all back and down, them. dry them, put them in a drying room. I mean, it was endless. I don't know how you guys survived. No wonder you were having breakdowns. They often had to be dried at lunchtime as well. We'd set up the fans at lunchtime to dry them out. That's yeah, right. We had a short lens. The arms, yeah. especially the arms. Were... But we'd sleep oh, in the what? trolley, remember, Jill? <laughs> yeah. oh, I did not. No. <laughs> no. We had that, we also yeah. had that little room in the back on the stage, on top of the stage that was like our mechanical repair room. Yeah. Because remember, yeah. heads would go down and we would have to quickly <laughs> swap out a head because we were being yelled at that every 10 minutes was costing $100,000. That if we had a head was broken, though. it was costing that much the production. But right. it did get better. It got much better. Season yeah. three and four were much more solid. Yeah. I, I, I was hoping, I thought John might have made it, but unfortunately, I guess he, he couldn't make it today. But John mm -hmm. Criswell, I know he certainly, uh, when Peter, you were just mentioning about redesigning things, but I know he saved my neck literally when we changed from whatever they were made of at first to carbon fiber uh, right. skeletons. Is that right? It was carbon there fiber? Was, so originally they were, it was a lot of fiberglass. Bondo was in there, uh, a lot of dental acrylics. So the heads got very heavy because there was a lot of extra sort of material. And we went with thinner shells or underskulls basically that were the skin laid on top of. And we made structures out of carbon fiber that went on top of your head that held all the servos so that we could have a much lighter, stronger structure inside your head right. and to save right. you. Craig Hamlin, who couldn't join us, um, he gave the best shoulder and neck massages. <laughs> I stole a few, even though I didn't do any of the work, but he was known he for it. He kill you with those as well. He did. Oh, I was, that's what I was going to say. My, my version of that was a lot of pain. And, 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 and also he would, he had a little, uh, he would do sh get, create these little health shots. Do you guys remember uh, those? Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Apple cider vinegar, lobelia and cayenne. And we would do a shot yeah. of and pepper. Yeah. And it would yeah. like wake us up again. It was amazing. Yeah. Nice. Oh my gosh. Hey, um, <laughs> okay, we, we have to, yeah, we have to kind of uh, move on to our next group, but please hang in there if you will. will Stay do. with us. Um, and uh, bring on a couple of the directors of the we'll show. We'll bring you back. Yes. Thank you so much. Love you guys. We'll see you soon. Brian, did you hear the one about the guy who uh, didn't shave? No, tell me about the guy who didn't shave. He really needed a director on his side to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I didn't have anything, obviously. Did, could you tell? I didn't yeah, I, I kind of, kind of could okay. tell. I, but that's me. I'm hey, what do you like get that. when you, what, what, what do you, what do you get when you take two directors and throw them into a Zoom uh, webinar? I don't know, Jim. Let's, what do you get when you take see. two directors and throw them into a Zoom webinar? Watch this. You get, we have with us Tom Turbovich and Bruce Bilson. 
Yes, Hey, you fellas. Yeah. Oh, so good that you're here. So glad that you're here. Yeah. Hey, um, so I guess I wanted to ask you guys what, what it was like to have to kind of corral the, the chaos in a sense there. You know, normally I guess you're working with actors as individuals, right? So let's say even if you've got a family of five, you're dealing with five people basically, right? And they don't have tails. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't have tails. Aging, not yep. to trip over tails and be able to move actors around. That's right. That was part of, part of the blocking, right? Right. Yeah, I think that was something that we didn't, we didn't see that one coming, that none of the dinosaurs could back up, which we never uh -huh. saw. And if you think about it, when you're acting, it's like, oh, you, you're going to step forward, you're still going to line, then you're going you're gonna to ease back to let somebody come in front of you. And because the dinosaurs had tails, they couldn't walk backwards. So they'd have to come up with an excuse to turn around, walk back, and then turn around again. Brian, they walked backwards for or me. Or being a close-up. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Or they just close missed one close-up. Yep. Well, that's, a, I mean, aside from backing up, I couldn't see. So that was my big issue. <laughs> you couldn't see going forward either, so. No, sir. <laughs> forward or backward. Didn't matter. <laughs> I, think so, the, I think the big part about directing dinosaurs that I'm sure these guys will confirm was that the wonderful process of having a whole plan of what you were going to do and you come in on Monday morning at seven in the morning, seven 30 maybe. And then at four o'clock in the afternoon, you still haven't gotten a shot off because the puppets have broken down <laughs> and this time. And so now your plan is just for shit and you have to come up with some other way to shoot the day. I mean, that really was, that was the thing with dinosaurs. It was so ambitious and there were so many variables that you just, any plan was gonna fall apart. You had, to, you had to have a plan, but then you had to really quickly reinvent the plan constantly every day during the day just to get the show shot. I found, Brian, it really wasn't a job of directing. It was more being a traffic cop. If you just <laughs> get out of the way and let it all happen in front of you, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I think, I think you did a lot more than just that. Wow. How about you, Bruce? Well, you know, first of all, I have to say, this was the second best show I ever worked on. And it was really a favorite. The only one that rates a little above it was being assistant director on the Andy Griffith show, the first oh. two that's with the Andrew Griffith Show rerun, Washers Club. There's a whole thing over there. I've been down to Bayberry Days a couple of three times. But right. outside of that, this became my favorite show. And wow. I did how much, how much difference was there between the dinosaurs you worked with and Don Knotts? <laughs> <laughs> I think, hmm. I'm not going to even answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about dinosaurs and Aunt B? Aunt B, if you will. <laughs> or Otis. <laughs> now, let's talk dinosaurs. Yes, yes. 
Yes. And so, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh, oh. no, I, I wanted to, yeah, go ahead, Tommy. Well, I was going to say, my first day on the job, I'll go back a little bit. Jeff McCracken called me in and was interviewing me for the uh, job of directing. Mm. And I, she explained everything to me, brought me around, introduced me to everybody. And I thought, oh, my God, well, this will never happen. <laughs> like three days later, he calls and says, can you come in next week? I go, whoa. <laughs> well, thanks to Rob Eulen, I got to do my first show was Hurling Day. That was your first one. <laughs> that was wow. my first show. I remember I have the boss in a chair, wrapped in latex, pushing oh, Brian, it up the hill. Right. <laughs> and it's about four hours in, and I've gone about 10 feet, and I'm stuck. 20 years of directing, and I'm just like, <laughs> I count backwards from 10, and I go, that's a wrap. We went home and came back the next day. It was... Wow. Uh, Wow. But so, it, so yeah, would you that, say would you say it was a, a a lesson? Unless you already had it, but was it a lesson in patience? You would maybe say this show might be. I, I don't know. I've I've never been stumped in my entire life. I was stumped, <laughs> but it, it came together the next day when I got to come in with fresh eyes and stuff, and we did it. Right. But I mean, and it you know what? It was a group effort on absolutely everybody's part everybody if they weren't given a hundred percent on every shot i mean everybody yeah it just didn't work how much how much prep time uh happened before you actually stepped on the stage to shoot Bruce? well it was it was a, it wasn't a lot of prep time because it was more with the props you were dealing with and so forth um prep time on on how are you going to shoot it um, I don't know what we shoot three days and we were paid for a week. We had two days with the script in our hand. Wasn't that about it? What? I shot six <laughs> days. I can tell you that. I shot for six days. The day we shot five days an episode, yeah. but we did the number of hours of six days in five days. Yeah. We right. often would wrap on a Friday night after midnight because yeah. we were doing more than 12 hours of shooting a day. And turn around. Yeah. And then we'd get up, right? The next day was later. And each day it got later. And the next every day it was later. Because with the 12-hour yeah. turnaround, which actually, no, 11-hour turnaround. We even got the unions to allow an 11-hour turnaround, even though we were on stage. And, uh, but we would still come in at 7 a.m. on Monday. And then on right. Tuesday, probably probably 9 a.m. On Wednesday, yeah. probably about 11 a.m. <laughs> yeah. And then Friday, we might come to work at 3.30 in the afternoon and then work till 5 or 6 in the morning on Saturday morning and then wrap and then turn around for the... I can remember on a Friday night shooting so late that Joe was saying to me, we got to wrap because now we're pushing Monday's call because we were going right. so late. Into Saturday. <laughs> I can remember Friday nights at the bar across the street there. Oh, uh, yeah, Santa Pietro's. <laughs> oh, early on my shoots on Friday. <laughs> Actually, hey, you know what? Thank I goodness really I met his... my wife. That's Me what I met. Absolutely. 
True. Tommy would always stay on schedule so that we could get the drink over at Santa Pietro's. <laughs> <laughs> should, should we? How should be that bad? Hey, Bruce. Bruce, yeah, hey, can I, huh? I just want to ask. I wanted to ask Bruce a question real quick. So, do do you have? Do you remember a specific episode, maybe that was I don't know, unique or special that you thought, wow, I I I could do this. You know, I could keep doing this. Was there? Or I don't know, is there anything that sticks, sticks out, an episode, a show that you love to direct? First of all, the two-parter is just ah. my... Nuts to war. And yeah. this morning, I got to tell you, this morning I put it in, I have the discs made from my old shows, and watch the beginning of it, and I suggest you all do, because it's about... Donald Trump, I swear to God, <laughs> the beginning of how they get into the war. And uh, we are right, which I love. We are right, that's but right. <laughs> but the well, first we... I get to work on this show, this wow. is what I did. You guys oh, remember? Go a little to your left so we can see it. Go a little to your left. There. Back up. There you the are. There we go. Yeah. Cool. That's on my wall. I took it down. Oh, oh. So should we, just to, to back up some of these production stories, should we add our last group to the conversation and bring in yes. the crew? Yes, let's bring How on do our, do that? your friends in, in arms. Well, I, you know, I got a story or two. First Please, of all, <laughs> my son, who is now 43, you can tell was 12 and 13, and his school was not far from the set. And Kevin will remember this, I think, when the baby said hello. I remember it. And that kid spent so much time on the set, he almost failed fifth grade. <laughs> he was here today. And uh, it just, there were so many pieces to learn on that show to do it to know how the floor worked. And you could take out a quarter or a half or whatever mm -hmm. that was. And uh, standing next to the puppeteers and hearing the dialogue, watching, and watching out for tales, mm -hmm. as I mentioned earlier, and the material. Yeah. The material was so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was it. And that, and everybody was wonderful in the creature shop and giving you guys a break to take your heads off and uh, the kids who were there to help you and just the whole thing. The weird thing is Stu Pankin is a friend of mine and has been for years and I hope he's hanging around. But it was just great. I did 17 of them and I know you did a lot more, Tom, but... Uh, uh, it was my favorite, second favorite job, and I'm oh, nice. so happy I was part of it. Oh, well, yeah, so are we. Thing you yeah. did before anything in pre-production, you'd have a pre-production meeting and, and talk about the props and so forth. I can remember this. I said, uh, we were having a feast at a table, and I told them, uh, I need a bunch of potatoes on the table with some, give me, and give me some <laughs> carrots and some a little of this and a little of that 
Well, I go in and I look at the table. They got it all dressed. They got 10 pounds of potatoes. And I go, I said I wanted potatoes on this table. <laughs> 10 pounds of potatoes? Go out and get me some potatoes. I go out to my car that night to get in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. With potatoes. Right up to the seat, right up to all the way across the seat and everything. <laughs> everything to get in the car. And I still had potatoes growing under my seat when I sold it. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's great. Hey, look, we have to bring, I think we, we have Joe Moore here and we have Ryan Chung, but I think we have a cut. There we go. Here comes Wait. Kevin. So we have, if you'll, if you'll just say who you are and what you just briefly did on the show, that would be great. Let's start with you, Joe. Uh, first assistant director, um, prepped each episode, um, well, the ones I worked on, um, and scheduled and coordinated the production. Um, do you remember and, how many, how many episodes? Um, too many? No, 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 no. I mean, I did it. I did all of Bruce's. I did, I think almost all of, um, Mark Brule's. I did hmm. Brian's. I didn't do one with, with Tom. I like Bruce. Um, this is by far the dinosaurs was my favorite experience in 43 years of filmmaking next to working wow. on, uh, romancing the stone or stir crazy. The features wow. I worked on were amazing. The TV series, except for, except for Bernie Matt, the Bernie Mac show and dinosaurs, uh, absolutely my favorites, but, wow. uh, but, but awesome. working with, <laughs> Working with all of you, seriously, working with all you guys and, and definitely working with Bruce Bilson, our sergeant, uh, was an absolute, absolute amazing pleasure. Uh, uh, brings tears to my eyes. Thank you, oh, Joe. That's beautiful, Joe. Thank you. Okay. I'm, and I'm done. And I'm done. Gotta go. No, don't go anywhere. You stay no, right no. there. Kevin Haggerty. Hey, what's happening? Are... What's going <laughs> on? First yeah. of all, it's great to see everybody. This is uh, this is the family, and great, great, great memories. Uh, boy, Turbovitz, Bruce, wow, everyone. Thank you, uh, Bill, for getting everyone together. My, so Hager, my you son, changed. Hager, you haven't changed a bit. You're, you're it's amazing. Well, so, same with you. Same with you. Pardon. You yeah, look great. Well, everyone's great. Kevin, let everybody know what you did on the show. I was uh, part of the camera department, and I was the fortunate one to do the test way back when, uh, as we talk about, and I did the camera test, and first of all, I was raised here in Los Angeles, so I'm uh, certainly a Henson uh, lover of, of the Muppets, so for me to do this test was just, uh, I was in awe, and <laughs> everything went well, and, and uh, Robert Collins, who was our cameraman way back when, Emmy Award winning yes. DP for uh, Miami Vice. How about that? But Robert goes at the end of the day, hey, Kevin, uh, you want to do the show as our uh, second? Which I'm responsible for the film back then, film. <laughs> so I was, I was in awe and honored. And then once we did the first episode and I just, uh, I moved up to first and focus pulling and uh, going back to being basically, I remember all the different, uh, Bruce, you telling me, you guys are the money shot of the baby. You know, myself and Bob Schoenhut were the uh, were B camera, and boy, what a what, what a great honor! And another thing I wanted to add to, to Bruce, years ago, uh, Bruce told us that uh, first of all, I was in awe of Bruce, going he did get smart and all that great stuff, and right, said, uh, Bruce, you worked on some of the greatest stuff in television history, and uh, Bruce kindly said, Kevin, 
we're we're on a classic right now. And I just oh, wow, that uh, that kind of wow. stuff. And it's uh, it really has been one of my favorite, uh, if not my favorite project. Thank you for everything, Turbo. Great seeing you and much love. And and Brian, what a what a lovely another great. In fact, something I know Brian's very humble. He's also an excellent director. What he, what he did say about it was, once you don't get a shot in until about 12 o'clock on Monday, you go, now what do we do? Well, let's make another cappuccino. <laughs> but it's, it's great seeing everyone. Thank you. Hey, Ronnie. Great to see you, Kevin. Hey, guys. Tell us, tell us Ronnie, what was it all about? Ronnie, how are you? I'm good. I was uh, Joe's second AD, and... Um, God, I think I was just coming off the movie Hook. So just finished working a year with Pirates and Lost Boys. I remember that. And I, I think Joe that. calls and, uh, you want to work with dinosaurs? <laughs> uh, I thought, what? <laughs> but it was, uh, it was such a joy working with you all. It was only a season. And to work with Tom and Bill, uh, our Bruce, and Joe, it was uh, certainly a memorable experience. And... Um, it has stuck with me through the years, and I'm now line producing and um, still line produce UPMing. And uh, it's, you know, I, I, I only get better because I learn from uh, all, all, all you guys. Wow. I, uh, I want to ask you guys, and, and really maybe Joe and, and Ronnie and Kevin, well, I guess everybody really, but yeah. uh, again, I'm just curious what it was like to try and corral this set. I mean, I, I honestly don't know. You have to have patience of a saint, I would think. And we did. We did. Yes, we did. How do you how do you juggle, you know, uh, a, a cast that is at least 12 people minimum when no. you're dealing with a family unit? You know, I, I just it's just crazy to me how you guys figured it out. I don't I don't know. Well. Okay. Okay. Well, I could speak to that in turn in that, in that you have to have a sense of humor about this. Mm. It's a <laughs> comedy. Um, <laughs> and I have to answer to the likes of uh, Mr. Bilson, um, who um, ran a, a strong ship. And, but we also all felt very sorry for you guys, Bill Beretta, and <laughs> Leaf <laughs> 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 and everybody. So we took, you know, we just took the approach of, you know, first of all, your safety was really, and that came uh, later or even more so, your, your safety was of utmost concern. Uh, what I told my assistants was know where every single person is because you know, you had all the puppeteers, every, you know, the creature shop and all the performers, super performers, know where they all are. And so Man. someone would radio me and say, Ronnie, Ronnie would say, uh, Beretta is at the, uh, you know, craft service. So Linoil is the, you know. Everywhere. They're everywhere. everywhere. So we just yeah. kept it, we kept in constant communication. We kept humor about it. Um, and it was an absolute pleasure. I also just, you had a great team. I wanted to just, if we could mention Dirk. Yeah. Uh, Dirk yes. Kraft. Yeah. Please. He was, yeah. what an amazing spirit he was on our set, right? And, and went on to become a, a television director. I mean, he went on to Nip Tuck. I mean, he went on, he, he did a few pilots with me. We worked together after, you know, after Dinosaurs. And yeah. we ended up working with Shepard Robin Productions and, uh, we did a couple pilots for them, a series, and anyway, and he was he, he was just uh, yeah. always light. 
You know, he never, you never felt that we weren't going to get through something. He had a personality that I would look up, you know, sweating and pain and, and he could just make you feel like it's okay. We're going to, you know, we're getting there. Yeah. And he would, he just make you feel great about, again, being a part of this thing. You know, it was just, uh, yeah. again, an amazing spirit to have on that set. I'll never yeah, forget yeah. Bill. Bill, he was, he was, came from the camera department. He was the glue at many times um, that, that kept us together. And uh, it was, what a, what a, what a great soul to have. He's, he was, he's one I miss greatly. We, uh, yeah. 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 You remember we used to play basketball back in there, he and I, and we'd have, you remember those things? <laughs> we had a blast. Great guy. Great guy. Well, on that, on that very sweet note, and speaking of very long schedules, I think it might be time to bring everybody back so we can Oof. toast and blow out a candle and toast to some people like Dirk. Um, why don't we bring everyone who's been on the show back with us? Here get we them come. all together still at once. Here. Yes, please come back. I'm going to go grab come. something. I need hey, to grab the I, toast. I'll leave the toast. Can you get me? I've been prepared for the last hour. Thank you, Dirk. Thank you. Be a call. I didn't make myself a drink or anything. <laughs> ah, nice joke. Nice. <laughs> I was told it was okay. I was told yeah. bleach or yeah. rubbing alcohol was yeah, okay. And, and some ultraviolet light. You'll never I get caught. I have a, a cure royale. <laughs> a cure royale you, here. You don't it's think I'm wrong. prepared? You don't think I'm prepared? <laughs> oh, it's, look, it's, look at Joe's guy. Go. Joe's ready. There you go. He's not going to get the corona. Sweet. Brian, Brian, I want to just I have something corona. to set. Sorry. Oh, oh, hey, look at Lava uh, Logger. Okay, we're yeah. bringing up oh, brilliant. from the set. Hold on. Uh, Thank you, Brian. Oh, that was a good few nice. years. Nice. 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 Robbie's jacket. Love it. I have a little bit of coffee. I have a tiny bit of coffee. <laughs> with 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 uh, rum in it or something, right? Mm. Coffee with rum. Or oh wow, the scavengers! That's awesome, yeah, Terry. And then here's right. the script. Oh yeah. Oh, the script. Oh, oh wow. Bruce has got a check. Look at Bruce has got a check. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin Clash. Kevin Clash. I always wanted to. There you go. Nice, baby. I, I also want to note that John Kennedy, John Kennedy finally oh. was 25 years old. It's amazing. <laughs> now, before, before, no, it's exactly before you, the same. Before you start the toast, we want to show you this, this final clip. Why don't you guys lead us into this clip? Oh, yeah. Can you take, just take us into this clip together? Daddy, somehow? Daddy you, have a, you have something to show us? Daddy. I do, honey. I've got a secret modern futuristic clip that I want to show you. You're going to love it. You won't understand all the words, but uh, you're going you're gonna to have a great time watching it.
time to soak things up. <laughs> you look really good today. I'm gonna really miss you. <laughs> oh no. Would anyone care for a refreshing beverage? We use the live hands. We just this, this was built so we could do live hands, wasn't it? Remember we did live hands through the back of it. Lunch uh, right now is 1.30 to 2.30, but if you want to check back at 2.25 to see if it's even longer, do that. Framed up, Mike? Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs>
Unbelievably sweet and judderless. <laughs> right? Judderless. Judder-free. So, so if you can raise God your glasses. Almighty, judder-free. If I, if I could have your attention, folks, please raise your glasses. We'd like to... Oh. Somebody came in. Uh, so I'd like to raise our glasses to some of our friends who have moved on, passed on, but will always be with us. There's the door again. They, they keep coming uh, in and out. So amazing. Sorry, door. Those are stories coming in. The spirits are with us. Let's try it one more time. Let me try it one more time without the squeaky door. Ready? Here we go. Uh, we would like to raise a toast to some of our friends uh, who have passed on, but will always be with us. Florence Stanley, Sherman Helmsley, Reza Badia, Bob Collins, Roger McCoyne, Dirk Kraft, Bob yeah. Schoenhut, Wanda Cheneau, Ray Colcord, and of course, none of this without Jim Henson. So here's to them. Cheers. 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 Oh, I got a little choked up. I got a little juddery. I got a little juddery. <laughs> Here's, here's to Bill you and Gene for putting this that. together. This We've is amazing. Yeah. Big, here's the cake. Oh, look at the cake. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Now, what we would love it is if everybody on the count of three, we would love it if everybody on the count of three took a big deep breath and tried to blow that sucker out. You ready? Okay. Not too All hard, one. Bruce. Bruce, not too hard. Here we go. One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> Thank you all. It's uh we can't thank you enough for doing this. I know it ran longer than we said, but it's a mini series now. <laughs> it's a mini series. Oh. <laughs> it can be. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? I think people would like to get a clearer picture of what that cake looked like. Um, why don't yeah, we bring that up? Cake shot. There's the cake. Cake before shot. Before it got destroyed. <laughs> before my son yeah. dug into it after the show. <laughs> I like the rocks you made. Um, yeah, found some rocks. I thought it was appropriate. Um, we got some more pictures to show. Yes. Look at this. Oh, there's Eve. There's me still. My I think I think this was literally we just finished my last. Like I think I did the last close up of the of the show. Uh, him looking out the window, and this was right after we finished. Everybody else had kind of I think gotten out of their stuff, and Leaf came over and. This was, oh, I get emotional. 
everybody's just hugging. You know, we we just uh, we just loved each other and still do. But uh, it was such a great time. Yeah. What's next? There you go. Uh, you can really see scale there. Yeah. Yeah. Just waiting to do the next bit. Sometimes I didn't have to have my feet on, so you could see my tiny little sneakers down there. Uh, so when I didn't have to have Earl's big feet, if you didn't see them, we would keep our feet off because it was, at least for me, it was easier to get around. But uh, yeah, just waiting, waiting to shoot. What else? Got a couple more here. Oh, there's some creature shop. All right. There's, it looks like Mike Scanlon working on Roy's arms his animatronic arms. There's Sid. Uh, I think that's Lisa Timonelli. Uh, that's Sid, uh, one of the characters that Misha did a lot of different characters in um, at the top right there. To, uh, bottom left is Marion Keating. She's working on Robbie. A lot of the skins would tear uh, from just, you know, moving, movement. And so they, they were always repairing them, adding new rubber, repainting. Um, I can't tell who that is in the middle working on Richfield. But then bottom right is Jane Gutnick uh, working on a puppet dinosaur. I think uh, that character was used a lot. But I remember one time Julianne doing a news. I think she was part of the news team at some point. I don't know why I remember that specifically. Oh, and the baby's head is there, of course, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. What else we have here? And, oh, didn't we have uh, one? Okay. Listen, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, like I mentioned, we're going to stick around after the show on the same stream to talk, chat with you more. But uh, we want to thank our team, Jason Friedman, Jason Thompson, Morgan Henderson. They did a great job yes. helping us pull this together. And especially Billy, who had this monster job of finding everybody and coordinating everybody to make this happen. Bravo, brother. Oh, thank you. But uh, yeah, we couldn't have done this without uh, our team, of course, getting us through this. We're, we're just figuring all this stuff out, but this was quite the undertaking. This is a, <laughs> a big one. Thank you for sticking with us. And uh, if you're into hanging out for some more questions, uh, we're going to sign off. But um, before we do, let's just remind everybody, we have a great show next week, Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, Frank Oz, Dave Goals. We had such a great time doing it, and I think you're going to have a great time. I know you're going to have a great time watching it. Um, and please remember to subscribe so we can keep these things going at a, at a, at a great pace. Subscribe, on great guests. Subscribe, subscribe, um, subscribe so we can make some more. All right, gang, All right. thank you, and we'll see you on the flip side of this music. Bye. Bring that music. We'll be there in a second. And there we are. And we came back. There we are. 
Yep, people are hanging in there, and they've got some questions for us. Are we pulling them from the chat ourselves, or Jason, do you have a few that you pulled earlier that you want to ask? Uh, I can give you some that came in a little bit earlier, and then uh, if anyone has any more questions, throw them in the chat for us now, and we'll grab them and send them over to the guys. Okay. Cool. So, what do you got? Cool. So, so one of the questions was um, about uh, any controversial episodes, like the final episode was somewhat controversial, but were there any other controversial episodes that stood out that, um, that, that you can remember? Oh my God, there were so many, I think. I mean, I'm not gonna remember them all, but we had, there was an episode called What Sexual Harris Meant, which was the name of the character. His name was Sexual Harris. And it became, it was a whole courtroom thing. Um, we had Nuts to War, a, a, a double episode uh, about what was going on at the time with the Gulf War. Um, we had uh, A New Leaf, which was about the first war. You know, the what? The Kennedy assassination. <laughs> um, no, th that was what was amazing, I thought, about the show was that they really just didn't care. They just tackled all kinds of social issues and things that were going on. And, and it was interesting because, you know, you took, like they said earlier in the show, you know, you take that idea and you apply it to a first time experience by these dinosaurs who've never been through things like that. They've never, they don't know what it's like to have a boss and be an employee. They're all just learning. And so all of these issues that we've been dealing with forever uh, were all new for, to them. So it was really a lot of a lot of controversy, I thought, back then. Yeah. You want to, before we take the next question, we have a few more pictures that we uh, we didn't get to in the show. Can we throw those up here and show the gang? Do my, does my voice keep going up into a high register? No. Oh, there's Mac. Yes, there's Mac and me. Me and Mac, Mac and me. Taking a break. I don't know what to say. He was amazing to work with. Unbelievable. Yeah. All these people. There's top left Kevin. Oh, is that Kevin? Yeah, that must be him. <laughs> Kevin and then Mac going over top of my head. Then coming down, there's Misha. Then coming down around to the right side is Julianne. And then there's Lisa Rocco, who kept me alive. In addition to with Greg, Greg Hamlin, she kept me, kept me alive. Yes. I think this is from the last day. The pile up. This is something we did. We like to do actually, and I don't know if any one person initiated. Although I think Leaf probably tended to be the one who would initiate these things. That's why he's always on the bottom, because I think he would come after me, and then I would flop on him, and then Misha would jump on, and then Tony, and then Kevin, of course. He couldn't throw the baby on there, but he got on. So these were tradition. <laughs> They must have, it must yeah. have ruined some of the costuming. Did the uh, the creature shop give you a hard time about that? Not really. They were just amazing, you know. They probably just put up with us, you know. We we had to do so many things physically, and we tried to keep things physical because that's what made them feel, I think, so alive. But 
yeah, they probably cursed us when they took them down, you know, and <laughs> stuff, but they never told us that. I mean, this, you know, of course, like I smoked at the time. And so I would have a cigarette. We could still smoke on the stage because our stage was raised four feet off of the ground. I would go over to an area away from our set, but still on the raised set because I couldn't get down because I couldn't, it was hard for me to go down steps. So I would go and try and hide in an area and sit on that raised thing and smoke, but I would have like a, they would give me a clothespin and the clothespin would grab onto the cigarette so that I wouldn't get the, you know, the flame close to, to the rubber or else I'd go up in flames. So I had to be really careful about that. But <laughs> I see a question uh, yeah. here. That... Go ahead. Did you finish that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I see a question here I just want to address before it goes away. Um, ML Farm, is that what it says? My, I have my, my computer glasses, not my phone glasses. Was there, ever an hilar was there ever a hilarious incident that had the crew laughing to the point where filming became difficult, where you just, it was hard to go on? Uh, I, I can't think of one specific. I mean, a lot. It happened a lot where people would just start laughing and we'd have to stop. Um, Julie, Julianne says every day. <laughs> every day? Yeah, that's right, Julianne. I have to apologize. Uh, the Julianne's, the spelling of her last name was incorrect on the video. So we're going to fix that. Sorry, Julianne. Apologize. We'll fix it. Um, but yeah, I, can, I mean, I'm thinking of like... Uh, there's a, a Alan Troutman was playing the monster under the bed. And I remember a scene where, <laughs> so he's doing the head and the right hand and he's underneath it. And somebody else is doing, sorry, the left hand and the head and somebody else is doing the right hand and they're putting vegetables in this cauldron and they just kept missing. <laughs> like every time. And we all just started laughing and it just fell apart. And yeah. So it, it like, you're right, Julian, it happened all the time, all the time. Okay. Question, Jason. Please. Absolutely. So, uh, been some questions about uh, working with Sherman Helmsley. What was that like? Well, I'll tell you, I uh, never, um, never really worked with him uh, in side by side or in person. He um, came to visit a few times, and I don't know if in the very in that very last photo in this uh he's in there for the for the cast picture cast and crew picture but we never really crossed paths he he would do his voice work uh after we shot uh the production and the production track so steve whitmire was the voice of richfield on the production track which then was erased uh or at least was the guide for sherman to come in and uh re redo the voice so um, we didn't really spend you know, a lot of time with the voice people, but they did come to visit and it was always great when they did. Uh, but yeah, yeah. You reminded me of something, uh, mentioning Steve Whitmire, something we saw in the, yeah. in the last video, <laughs> which I've seen many times now on behind the scenes video. Whenever a camera would point in his direction, he would freeze and he wouldn't give oh, yeah. them anything more. You'd always just see always. these cut to Steve and he would just be like this. He always does that. 
You see him in this video eating something and he just stops mid-bite. Yeah. Yep. He would just always freeze. Yep. The way to draw the, like, it's actually like a, um, a great Muppet uh, little trick, you know, being more still than everything else that's going on. It draws your attention right to that thing that's not going nuts or being over, you know. Um, but I just want to say about Richfield, because he was my favorite character. But, man, to be on the set when Richfield was on was the best. I wish we had some behind-the-scenes footage of that. But Steve was in there um, behind that head and Leaf down below doing the hands behind the desk. But Steve, I, he would, I believe he reached in with his right and then he would do the bottom jaw with his left. And so that's how he moved him, kind of the way I do um, Carl, big mean Carl, but, but Steve's movements and his subtlety and his stillness and his, the angles that he would create with him to get those eyes like he would get, you know, the angle. And I remember they would work on this. Dave Greenaway did the eyes and the brows and the, and the little um, lip kind of movements. Um, but they would work on these moments where Richfield would get upset and he would slam his horns into the ceiling, but he would have that angle where he was looking down from under his, his uh, brow. It was always so cool. But the three of them and then adding Sherman on top were just amazing. It's an amazing character. Love that character. Look what I have. You got an eggy from the set. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember how I got it. I didn't steal it. Somehow I got it after the fact. You stole it. I didn't. That's something. And I had this. This was uh, an embroidery for the scavengers. You stole it. How could I steal it? I wasn't even in a creature shop. I was always on stage. <laughs> hey, uh, where's the watch? Want to show the watch? Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. There. Watches are made. Any other questions? Any other questions? Yeah, sure. Um, oh wait. Uh, how? Sorry. Wait. Sorry, real quick. This little. Can you focus? I can't can tell I get if focus it's on be. it. I don't know. It's hard to um, see. Anyway, that's uh, dinosaur's Sorry. watch. Yeah, and there was. Uh, I Who's on it? This, Earl? I don't know how you guys work backwards. That's Earl. Yeah, there was one made for a lot of the major uh, character performers. I'm the family archivist, by the way. That's why I have a lot of the, uh, a lot of stuff, including, as I mentioned, the dinosaurs jersey. They spelled our name wrong on the back for the baseball team. There was a baseball team that played against some of the other TV shows so at the time. Softball, softball yeah. What did I say? Softball. Baseball? Baseball. Huh. What do you got, Jason? All right, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? So a uh, question about how large was the model of the Sinclair home that they used for exterior shots? Well, uh, you know what? I don't remember. Maybe somebody on the chat does. But, you know, th it was this was my first big gig. And uh, um, I wasn't involved in a lot of the production side of it. I just came in and 
tried to stay alive and do my part and uh, would go home and sleep and get up the next day and come in and do it again. So a lot of the production side of things, I, I don't really know, but Gene's got his finger up. This just in. I was embarrassed to say a name because I wasn't quite sure, but I had a hankering that Terry Harden made these watches and she just confirmed it on the chat. And she made one for um, each of the major performers. So uh, we, it's it's doing well, Terry. It's in good hands here. There it is, Terry. There on the face. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're beautiful. Maybe, you know what I'll do? I'll. Uh, I'll take a better photograph of this and I'll post it on uh, the website or the um, Facebook page so okay. people can see it. Or gallery. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, not couldn't answer that question so well. Any another one, Jason? Maybe. Um, it was a question, and this is another one that may be tough, but um, you know, with multiple different directors, how was it determined who would direct each episode? Uh, yeah, sorry guys. Unfortunately, I don't know how the, they were chosen. I know that because uh, of some recent research, I believe Bruce Bilson did 17 episodes. Tom Turbovich, I believe, did 27 episodes. Uh, I think Brian did three or four. Uh, Mark Brule directed some. Uh, uh, Jeff McCracken directed some, Reza Badia did some, William Deere, Bill Deere did the pilots. Um, so I, I don't ultimately know how. I know we kind of got into a groove of a Tom and Bruce Bilson and Brian kind of thing at a certain period. Maybe somebody else remembers out there, but I don't know how they were chosen. It was because they were choice. insane. I made the final Gene choice. Chose them. I wasn't just hanging out on the set. There was a lot more happening uh, behind the scenes than you're aware. Gene was running ABC at the time. Names out of the hat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Terry <laughs> just uh, just said that uh, the directors were chosen as to who was the fastest to get it in the can, and Tommy won by a nose. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. Awesome. I think it was who was the most insane and uh, who to stay the longest. <laughs> Yeah. So, which we were your favorite episodes? Okay. Yeah, What's favorite that? episode. Do you have Do you have a favorite episode? Do I have a favorite episode? Uh, I guess I like the last episode. There's a lot of heart in it, and um, and it just. I don't know. It was a, it was a really smart way to go out. I thought, <laughs> you know, that, that they go extinct, uh, but they don't know it. Um, so I think I, I, I love that one. I mean, uh, there's so many fun ones, but I guess that might be my favorite. And I'm not familiar with the show. It was, uh, it was on in the nineties. I don't think you ever saw it. I was busy with, uh, Although you chose our directors, I'm a little confused. Yeah, well, I you know I only had so much time in the day. Right. Oh, I get it. All right. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Set me off. <laughs> uh, more? Do well, three more, more questions, and then we'll wrap it up. Three more, you said? Sure. Yeah. 
Um, how much communication was there between the creature shop and the performers? Was there a lot of feedback about how the costumes moved and being able to get back and forth with them on, on that? Well, so yeah, yes, um, they were all tailored to each one of us. Um, except for the unisaurs, a couple people fortunately were the same size, but it wasn't as maybe tailored, although everybody I'm sure had little adjustments that they needed, especially when it came to the head, uh, you know, the helmet inside that had to strap on to, to hold the head on. I'm sure that size or padding may have been needed depending on people's head size. Um, but with Earl, I went to England uh, to do my fittings so that, and we all did, the family, um, so that they were all specifically tailored to us. We, again, I, the saddle um, idea was, you know, they figured, how, how's he going to hold this thing up? He's going to want to sit down. And if he does sit down, it's just going to squash the whole structure and that's going to get ruined. So the idea of this, you know, uh, uh, saddle came into it. Um, there were adjustments made because the head was so front heavy. There were little struts or bars that came, that were inside that started from my chest and then curved up into the head. So a counter took the weight of the head and loosened it up a bit so that I could move it uh, and, and turn it without it being really hard to move. Um, and so those had to be adjusted depending on how much weight I felt I could hold and what was the neutral position for the head. And I'm, I'm sure we all went through these things. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I think we all had input um, as we were being fitted. You, you, would, you would have to, I think, just because people are going to either go, ow, or they're going to go, oh. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yo, I have a question for you here from uh, Eve Cumming. What did you work on after dinosaurs? Was that your last suit work? Wasn't my last, uh, uh, the next thing I think I worked on after dinosaurs was a, uh, a music video, Kokomo with the Muppets, a Beach Boy song. And I did some background characters. That was my first kind of thing I think I did with the Muppets. And then we did a Muppet classic theater where I did a little more puppets in that. But then I don't know what year this was, but a year, a few years later, maybe more, I was in a movie called Born to be Wild. Leif Tilden played this gorilla um, uh, that speaks sign language. And he, um, he asked me if, you know, I was interested and, and passed on my name to play one of the gorillas in that. And so that was the next suit thing I did. But I think that may have been the last, except for, oh, sorry. Then with the Muppets, Dog Lion. I was inside of that big character from, from the Muppet show um, years later. So a couple more times, but this was really the longest run, and I don't think I'd ever do it again. <laughs> uh, let's see. Do we have any a, a final question to go out on? Do you have any stories about working with Jim Henson? I never worked with Jim Henson, unfortunately. Right. It was uh, a big part of something I never got to do, and, and uh, I met him a couple times, and... Um, but I never, never got to work with him. Uh, well, he passed I away. Like, like the show started. 
yeah. right before before dinosaurs started. Um, but yeah. I feel like uh, I I have just because of the, uh, the, the what he left behind to the other Muppet performers and how they all work and how they work together and those relationships and the sensitivity to the the material and the relationships of the characters. I feel like um, I've learned through them what that might have been like, although I never really did, but there you go. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. We're a podcast and a vodcast. You can listen or watch the episode. Just go to the BerettaBrothers.com. That's B-A-R-R-E-T-T-A Brothers.com. Please subscribe, rate us. And we'd love to hear your comments. Thank you.